Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the bald face truth. Welcome in, Peter Sampson in for Canzano. This is the BFT on your Thursday. It's great to be with you. Got a lot to talk about today. Of course, I've got Stephen Vaughn, Sean McPherson with me as well. And the big story of the day, just Right after I got into the station at 9 o'clock today, the news broke. We touched on it yesterday that the NFL and Deshaun Watson and his team were negotiating a settlement. Former New Jersey Attorney General Peter C. Harvey was uh, sort of holding off on a ruling. Of course, the NFL had appealed that original suspension. And it sort of sounded like we might get word of a settlement and adjusted uh, punishment or suspension soon. Turns out it happened this morning at about 8.57. The news came down. So the NFL and the Players Association today settle. In Deshaun Watson's case, they agree the Browns quarterback will serve an 11-game suspension by more than the original six that was handed down a few weeks ago. And, uh, of course, in that previous six-game suspension, there was no monetary punishment. He will now pay a fine of $5 million that will go to charity. And, you know, I know the league was certainly pushing for a full season. I don't know that the Players Association was ever, ever going to go that far, even though I think a season is very reasonable considering sort of the egregious nature of the uh, you know the uh, actions that Watson took here, even the uh, the previous uh, arbiter called his actions egregious while handing down what most people considered was a pretty light punishment. Now that being said, eleven games. Call me a cynic, but I think the NFL is pretty happy that he's going to come back in Week 13 and play his old team, and they get to reap all the ad revenue from that big game that they get to hype for a few weeks. So, yes, the NFL gets its cake, and it gets to eat it, too. That's right. We came down strong. We came down hard. We took his money. Oh, but he just happens to come back and face the Houston Texans in game one. Imagine that. Boy, I wonder if that one's coming to a TV near you. I wonder. So, the settlement between the two sides as I mentioned, holds off a ruling from the uh, uh, Peter C. Harvey, and that's who Goodell appointed to oversee this appeal after Sue Robinson's decision that it would be six games. And uh, Goodell explained the league's decision to appeal in the first place and said that the evidence called for at least a full year's punishment you know he Goodell went on to say basically it sets a bad example for kids we've respected the process we need to prevent sexual misconduct and all the underlying causes of such behavior basically this dude violated our personal conduct clause and he needs to be punished now Watson settled or agreed to settle all but one of the remaining lawsuits that one's uh, remained pending 
Last month, the Texans settled with 30 women who made claims or were about to make claims against the NFL team for allegedly enabling Watson's behavior. And uh, the NFL investigators spoke to several of the women. As I mentioned, Robinson, the initial arbiter, uh, says that he did violate the personal conduct policy in a predatory way. His behavior was egregious. And uh, she did note that an aggravating factor in the decision uh, to suspend him was his lack of expressed remorse. Now, let's talk about a lack of expressed remorse. Because today, if you're the Cleveland Browns or you're Deshaun Watson in his camp, today was a disaster. Now, I know last week he came out after previously denying any wrongdoing and saying that he had no regrets for his actions. He apologized to all of the women that he has impacted. That happened last week. And don't get me wrong. The words were correct. They could have been stronger. Maybe it wasn't great that he sounded like he was being held for ransom and try, And it was one of those videos, like a hostage video. My captors are treating me well. They are feeding me. But make no mistake, they will kill me if you do not acquiesce to their demands. I beg you, please pay them. I want to see my family again. I love that's what he sounded like, like he had a gun to his head and you go, okay, well, at least that's something it can't get worse than that. Can it? Uh, maybe. Cause let's hear what Deshaun Watson had to say this morning. I've always uh, stood on my innocence and always said that I've never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone. And I'm continuing to stand on that. But at the same time, I have to continue to push forward with my life and my career and for us to be able to move forward. You know, I have to be able to take steps and put pride to the side, and uh, I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence and, and keep pushing forward. Okay, so Deshaun Watson is continuing to stand on his innocence. He maintains his innocence. Now, look, this is a family-friendly show, so I need to amend my immediate remarks immediately because my natural reaction is to say that's BS. We all know it is. Deshaun knows it is. We all know it is. And I understand you just want to move on. I certainly would, too, if I had 30 women suing me and the league coming down hard on me. Just own it, man. Look, everyone knows you allegedly did it. Just own it and move on. And so the real question is, if you're so innocent, Deshaun Watson, who are you apologizing to? And he says, well, this can be triggering, and I'm just apologizing to all women, all of them in the world. If you're driving in your car right now, if you're a woman, Deshaun Watson apologizes to you. He doesn't apologize for doing anything wrong because he stands on his innocence. But, you know, just the fact that you had to hear about these alleged behaviors, he's really sorry. So I hope you take that to heart. Stand-up guy, Deshaun. Now, he was immediately asked, well, look, if you're innocent, you're standing on your innocence, don't you think that this punishment is unfair? Like I said, I have to continue to move forward uh, with my life and with my career. And, uh, you know, things happen on the legal side that you got to continue to just keep pushing forward and moving. Sorry, if you think, if you maintain your innocence, is this punishment unfair? Uh, I can't speak on the, the fairness. I, I only can really control what I can control. And that's, you know, throughout this process, 
you know, the NFL did what they had to do, and the uh, NFLPA, you know, communicated with the legal side. Like I said before, I focused on, you know, being out here, being the best teammate and football player and quarterback I can for the Cleveland Browns, and I let the legal side handle But still, you must have an opinion on whether it was fair or not. Uh, of course, everyone has their own opinion, but I think, you know, for my peace and my sake, I'm going to keep my opinion to myself. Did you, th did you think this was starting to wear on the team, waiting for this to come down and your availability? Uh, honestly, I think from my experience being in that locker room, I think the team was focusing on being the best teammate in Cleveland Brown that they can be. So uh, I know that, you know, guys was, of course, probably thinking about the situation, but at the same time, we were all focused on, you know, being what we can and building that chemistry as the Cleveland as the Cleveland Browns and getting ready for the season. There's one civil lawsuit left. Are you pursuing a settlement there? Uh, I can't get in the the real details on that, but, you know, I'll let my legal team continue to handle that. So Deshaun Watson says, and this is a quote, I mean, the NFL did what it had to do. The Players Association did what it had to do. Do you know why they had to do what they had to do? Because of what you did, allegedly. It's so patently obvious. This guy will not take accountability. Own it and move on. It never should have happened in the first place. Deshaun Watson. Bad dude. I don't like it. Oh, the, the league did what they had to do. They're not doing this to Patrick Mahomes. They're not doing this to Lamar Jackson. They're not doing this to Tom Brady. They're not doing it to anyone. They're doing it to you. Take accountability. Fellas, look, I think the NFL is probably glad that they did get more games. They got a financial penalty. The cynic in me says they're also glad that he's coming back to face his old team, most likely on national TV. Deshaun Watson, those quotes are not from March. That was this morning, guys. This is unbelievable. It's such an arbitrary number of 11 games, right? Like, you are right that it is <laughs> the cynic in me as well thinks, you know what? Oh, they play Houston at Houston? Yeah, let's let's put it back for that game because mm -hmm. it's such an arbitrary number. You're like, oh, 11 games. I've never seen an 11-game suspension in anything. So, first of all, that is just sketchy. Jimmy Haslam comes out, and he says this in the middle of the press conference. I think it's important to remember Deshaun is 26 years old, okay, and is a high-level NFL quarterback. So, yeah, just because he's a good quarterback, you know what, he's 26. Let's let's forget about it, you know, because he's great at, at the NFL. Like, the Browns are so unlikable in this situation, and I don't usually have, like, a lot of emotional feelings towards professional teams, but I really hate the Cleveland Browns right now, and I'm going to root against them all season long, and as long as Deshaun Watson's on the team, just like Penn State. Penn State football, I can never root right. for them again. This is the same type of situation where they know what Deshaun Watson did. They just playing dumb. They're not going to do it. And now they win in this because if the Browns are in the playoff hunt, you know who gets to play in the playoffs? Deshaun Watson. So what is he really pen? What is he really penalized? Nothing. Yeah, no, it's just uh, it's really appalling all the way around. I mean, you mentioned that uh, the fact that it's eleven games, a really obscure number and that they're already advertising that it's going to be the Texans when he comes back. It's just like, really? You're going to market and monetize off of his return that he's playing his former team? You're going to make it, and we know that game's going to be on national TV, and that is just, that's really bad look for the NFL. The Browns saying that this is uh, adversity and that the team's rallying around this, like, it's because of your quarterback's actions. This isn't some unfortunate event that happened. Uh, you've played the key clip with uh, Jimmy Haslam, the uh, the co-owner of the Browns, saying he's 26 years old and he's a hell of an NFL quarterback. That is appalling. And then Deshaun Watson, it was just 
a week ago, uh, last Friday, that he apologized and basically admitted guilt. Like, we remember that quote, and now that the suspension's out, he's going back and reversing and saying, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. He was so, just playing it to lower that suspension. I, yeah. I guarantee the NFL put pressure on him to do that. Again, it sounded like he was reading a hostage note, like he's in a camp in Vietnam or something, and they were sending it back home. And as soon as they say, okay, 11 games, no, I stand on my innocence. I, I mean, I apologize to every woman in the world for possibly being triggered. Go to hell. Go to the, the Cleveland Browns are such a joke franchise. Frankly, they should have been burned to the ground 20 years ago. Should have never came back. Yeah. And, now, and now with this, I, I'm not going to watch the Browns this year. I'm just not. If they're on TV, I'm not watching it. I got enough sports to watch, guys. Yeah, and that's the sad part is that it's the NFL, and hopefully by about week six, we're still talking about it, and we're still disgusted by it because a lot of times these news stories just go away after a little bit. We forget right. about it because Deshaun's so good, and people love the NFL, right? So – Who's to say in week 16 when Sean Watson is going for the playoff race with the Browns, is anybody going to be talking about this again? Are they going to be saying, oh, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL yeah, and, and only 26? And not only that, a year and a half, almost two years away, I don't know that he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I know he's still young. He's incredibly athletically gifted. We've seen it before with athletic freaks at the quarterback position who are gone for some time for whatever reason, and then when they work out or they actually make it back and are allowed to play again, they're not the same. That time away really matters. This might end up not just biting them in the ass because of the the massive PR hit that they're taking here. I, I think he'll be a good quarterback. I don't even know. I'm not saying he won't be elite. It wouldn't shock me if he's just merely very good. Well, it is going to be weird because... Everyone's going to hate him for the most part. He's going to be a target. He's going to be a target. Like, remember when LeBron went to the Heat and he tried to play up that heel role? That wasn't LeBron. Like, LeBron, it affected him, and you could tell in that first finals against the Mavericks, he was awful because everyone hated him. And then he tried to go back to be likable. That's what they ended up winning. Does Deshaun have that type of personality where he can take on people yelling at him, cussing at him? There's video uh, in his first preseason game against the Jags. They were (laughs) cussing at him, right? Yep. They were calling. They were calling bad words. Sick bleep. Sick bleep. They were chanting that at him. That's going to happen a lot this year, I think. Does he have the personality to withstand it, like you said, Peter? Or is he going to fall back and it kind of affect him? I personally, I hope it affects him. Like I cannot root for this guy, and I cannot root for the Browns. Yeah, I don't know that he has everything I've seen. And and again, just because he's maybe not great in front of a camera, you know, or impromptu public speaking. You can't necessarily say he doesn't have that mindset, but I don't know that I haven't seen a lot of personality period from the guy. Doesn't mean he doesn't have it. So I don't know that he can embrace that role. Yeah. I'm trying to think of past uh, incidents like this where someone uh, did something that was such a big news story. And when they returned, they were, they dealt with it on the field. I'm thinking about the Houston Astros as a team and the fact that, you know, they obviously cheated. They kind of, it was obvious that they cheated, and then the Houston Astros are getting booed at every stadium. But can you guys think of any individuals? Because I can think of a lot of people, you know, that... Uh, Vic. Like Michael Vic. But he, yep. I, I think with Michael Vic, the general consensus, correct me if I'm wrong, is that he served his time, he admitted his guilt, and that's something that Sean Watson's not doing. Like, Michael Vic said, I did this. He served time in jail, and then he returned. And not saying those actions are okay, but sure. at least he, he took accountability Deshaun Watson's refusing to do that here. Kobe was kind of like that when the Colorado thing came down. People oh, yeah. were not happy, yeah. and he was going from you know from like court to playing in the game that night. Like that was a tough situation. But also, Kobe is a different mentality than Deshaun Watson.
Yeah, that's interesting. By the way, go ahead and go to thesmokinggun.com and read the actual court documents from that Colorado case. It's uh, something. Let's just say that. Deshaun Watson, was it too light? Was it enough? Too much? Why won't he just admit it and move on? 503-417-7575 is the number to call. You can always tweet me as well, at Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. So in the meantime... Deshaun Watson, of course, making $230 million, a base salary that's only a million this year, jumps to $46 million in 2023. He gets a $45 million signing bonus. So he's going to lose $57,500 per game he's suspended, plus the $5 million fine, which will go to an as-of-yet-to-be-named charity. Kevin Stefanski says Jacoby Brissett is going to be Cleveland's starter in the event of a Watson suspension. That's obviously happened. He says he's been very impressed with Jacoby Brissett so far, and uh, I don't buy that for a second. I wonder now if uh, they're looking to maybe go at Jimmy Garoppolo now that they know it's going to be for 11 games, guys. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a tough choice. Uh, you know, The thing about Jimmy is it's going to cost you a lot of money to do it, and you're already going to be paying Deshaun Watson next season some money. So is it worth it to go and give Jimmy that kind of money that he's going to have to get? Because the organizers aren't just going to you know get rid of him for nothing, right? Like, you're going to have to pay that contract. I don't think they do. I think they just ride it out with Jacoby, and they just let Deshaun know, like, this is your team when you come back. There's no thinking about it. Jacoby's going to fill in for you. And hope you know, they got to hope they're around 500, and then Deshaun comes back, and they're they're really good. Yeah, it's gonna. I guess it would be fascinating to watch if I was going to watch this team, but I won't. 503-417-7575. Before the break, let's go to the phone lines. We got Roy in Portland. He wants to talk about it. What's up, Roy? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, what What about what happened with Ben Roethlisberger and his, and his incident where he was supposed to have done something to a woman? Uh, I didn't hear, you know... People calling him sick and all this stuff. I mean, did he get? I don't remember what happened to him on the punishment wise. You know, with the whole, with his whole incident. Um, you know, my thing is, I think he's saying that Deshaun Watson is because he hasn't been charged criminally with anything. You know what I'm saying? See, this is right. the tricky thing about these things. When you don't charge somebody with criminally with something, and it's not in a court of law, you know, it's not in a courtroom they can have the room to say that they're innocent because technically he is because he hasn't been charged with anything. Now, when you look at the, the punish, when you look at other people that have done things and the punishment, uh, I think Ray Rice, when he did his thing, you have a couple other guys. Most of the guys that, that really get punished in the NFL, they get charged criminal with something. You know what I mean? So it's in the court of law, so they, you know, had their due process in court. It was, you know, either they was found guilty or not guilty. But this hasn't gone to court from what I like. You know, it's like a settlement, right? Right. So we don't know the details, you know, and he hasn't been charged criminally with stuff. We know he, you know, settled everything. But my thing is when, you know, that, that, that's what makes these things tricky, man. Yeah. If you're not charging somebody criminally or they're not going to court, they can always say that they're innocent. Yeah, pre- appreciate the co- yeah, appreciate the call, Roy, and and that's a, certainly a valid point. I I I certainly uh, was saying those things about Ben Roethlisberger not once but twice. I believe how many games did he get? Yeah, so he was initially suspended six games. 
but they negotiated with the P- NFLPA to get down to four. Right. And so that was the first time ever uh, a player was suspended by uh, Roger Goodell uh, for the conduct policy when he hadn't been arrested or charged with the crime. Right. And so, but we what we get down to here, because look, Watson, two, two not one, two grand juries declined to uh to uh you know basically make a case out of this so we're not talking legally and that's a great point that Roy makes but we're talking the the personal conduct policy in the NFL you know i mean and we have one here we we have it everywhere and so you don't have to break the law necessarily in order to be punished so i think we have a, a sort of a convolution of events where you have guys like Roethlisberger only getting six games even though yeah look look up what he allegedly did. It's horrible. It's horrible. Horrible. And he only got six games negotiated down. And the NFL, Ray Rice, you know, all these guys, they've taken so much grief. The public outcry was, no, you have to do more. You absolutely have to. The evidence, you know, whether it's illegal or not to do all this is overwhelming. I mean, 30 lawsuits, personal conduct. Yeah, I mean, could could that be the reason why there's more outcry with Deshaun Watson is that there's just a number of instances that this has been accused of him right? absolutely with ben roethlisberger i know it was one then was there two i think there was only one two separate two separate incidents. ones right where sean is 30 so i understand what roy's talking about like people probably should have been more up in arms about ben roethlisberger i, was, I know yeah. i was like i my brother's a steelers fan i hate ben roethlisberger because of that like that is just it's you can't do those type of things to women like it's just it's gross to me and so yes he should have probably got more and that was the first one without getting charged a crime so for Deshaun to get off in 11 games, I think Deshaun is feeling good about it, and the Browns are feeling good as well. I do as well. We'll take another call before the break. Let's go to Tom in Lake Oswego. What's up, Tom? Oh, we just lost Tom. All right, go ahead and call back. 503-417-7575. Of course, I'm on Twitter, at Peter Sampson. We'll keep it going on the other side. A whole lot to get to, not just Watson. Busy day in sports today. I'm in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. Peter Sampson here for John Canzano. This is The Bald-Faced Truth on the BFT Radio Network. i got to play it one more time. I've always uh, stood on my innocence and always said that I've never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone, and I'm continuing to stand on that. But at the same time, I have to continue to push forward with my life and my career. And for us to be able to move forward, you know, I have to be able to take steps and put pride to the side. And um, I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence and, and keep pushing forward. That's Deshaun Watson. No, that's not him last March. That's Deshaun Watson this morning. And, uh... I was flabbergasted when I heard those comments. I figured he would expand on the uh, the not full-on admission of guilt from last week, last Friday, but he sort of, here's the money cut from that, he sort of nudged in that direction. Look, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. Um, my decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position, um, you know, I, w- I would definitely like to have back. Is he reading that? Does that sound like he's reading that? Yes. Yeah, like, I, again, I don't want to be a cynic, but just like I don't think it's an accident that his first game back will be against his old team, we compare, you know, speaking off the cuff. Like I said, I have to continue to move forward. 
That's not a good one. Let me get the innocence one here. I've always uh, stood on my innocence and always said that I've never assaulted anyone. Like, that's just a dude talking. I don't like what he's saying, but he's just talking, and then here he is. Look, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. Um, my des decisions that I made in my life. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It just sounds like he's reading a hostage letter. It truly does. So Deshaun Watson gets 11 games, maintains his innocence. 503-417-7575. Let's go to Kenneth in Portland. Kenneth, what do you think, man? Hey, BFT, thank you for taking my call. You yeah. can hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know, over two dozen complaints. I don't think that you can just say that that's nothing. I mean, are they all making it up? Even the arbitrator said that uh, something did happen. It was egregious. And, uh, you know, the ruling that she came down with, I at least thought that they would give him at least one game her female complaint. Um, I think that would have been, you know, good. But if it had been, you know, when it comes to entertainment, whether it be sports or Hollywood, it's like the rules don't apply to them. Uh, because if, had, if it had been you or me and we had did that to one female and one female complaint, I'm pretty sure that we'd be in a whole lot of uh, trouble. Uh, the other thing is, how are the other players from the other teams going to take it? I can't see him walking up to a Tom Brady or a Justin Herbert or a, you know, all these other nice quarterbacks that they go and shake their hands after the game. They all have girlfriends or they all have wives. How do they feel? You know, what's the temperature of the league on this? Because it's a slap in the face to all females, and it is a slap in the face to at the NFL. And just like some of you have said, I will not follow the Browns. He should have been kicked out of the league, is my opinion. Appreciate the Thank phone you. call. Yeah, appreciate the phone call, Kenneth in Portland. Yeah, one game per uh, law, you know, loss, credible lawsuit, egregious, predatory behavior. This is the arbitrator who reviewed the evidence, and I'm sure there's a whole lot of evidence that we, the public, are not privy to. Just not a good scene, and I think Kenneth hit it right on the head. It's a, it's a slap to to in the face to women everywhere, and you know the NFL. NFL's king for a reason. It's got a lot of female fans, too. You know, Kim, not a huge sports person, but she gets down with uh, with football on Sundays with me. She loves it. It's all across the country. You get down on a, on a Sunday morning, you make some food, you have some friends over, and you watch some football. And maybe you don't, you know, paint your face and act like a jackass like a lot of the guys do. But the women love it as well. And so here we are. It's a slap in the face to that huge huge segment of the fan base, I don't know that they can even necessarily support that. Yeah, I mean, football is a good excuse just to get together with friends or family. I mean, my uh, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, like, they're not big sports fans, but they come over in the morning, and like I said, we have usually, like, a breakfast scramble. We have a big breakfast. They bring yeah. the kids over. Like, it's just a good time to bring people together and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I haven't even talked to my wife about it that often. Like, I should, I should find out what she thinks about this. Uh, you know, as a high school teacher, like, just knowing the effect that these athletes have on the kids, right? Like, does it affect them? Do they even care? Or like, what kind of stuff like that? So it's it's just sickening, right? Like, it seemed like the NFL was holding out for a year-long suspension. So to give in and don't make it 11, that's what really bothers me. Yeah. I thought it, it was such an easy choice for the NFL to give them a year-long suspension and be over with it. And to get less, I just think he got off way too easy. Yeah, w without a doubt he did. And, I mean, I don't have a daughter. I have a son. But I was watching Sports Center a while ago. They were talking about it. And he's like, well, what did, what did he do? 
Well, okay, let's have that conversation. It was uh, not comfortable. Yeah. All right, one more before the break. Let's go to truck driver Ken on the road. What's up, Ken? What do you think? Well, it hardly matters what real people think. I mean, <laughs> by the time these get these guys get to the NFL, they've all they were all the best kid on their high school team. They were the best kid in college. They get drafted. They they have no concept with what the rest of the world goes through. And and the the way they're treated, the double standards of all of it, I forget which head coach it was that said if Hannibal Lecter had good hands and could run a 4-3, he'd be described as having an eating disorder, you know? Right. It's just they're not going to be touched, and we can never equate to what it is they will achieve and have obtained in life and they have no idea what the rest of the world is like. So I think it's apples and oranges. Yeah, appreciate the call. Truck driver Ken, drive safe. I think that was, uh, wasn't that Steve Kime? Uh, I think that was Cardinals GM Steve Kime that said that about Hannibal Lecter. And he had a point. By the way, Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs, that uh, legendary scene that I will not describe in detail because we were on radio involving Buffalo Bill in a dance, that famous song that plays that artist, uh, apparently Q Lazarus apparently passed away today. Rest in peace. Kind of a bummer. You create a classic song and it becomes, uh, it becomes uh, synonymous with a very, very disturbing scene in a very disturbing movie. Uh, but it's a classic. If you've never seen silence of the lambs, uh, do yourself a favor and check that out immediately on whatever it is, HBO max or what have you. Uh, last chance for phone calls on Watson. We might revisit this later in the program. 503-417-7575. Always on Twitter at Peter Sampson. It's not the only thing going on. Big, big news out of college athletics. The Big Ten has reached a new TV agreement, and it is massive. We'll talk about that next. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Little Alice in Chains for you there. If you listen in Portland to my local show, The Pulse, that immediately follows this program, I may or may not have tickets for Alice in Chains for some lucky listener in the next few days. May or may not. It's a rumor, a whisper. An allegation might happen. So you might want to catch the pulse tonight and tomorrow from 6 to 7 here in Portland. So big news in college athletics. I almost called it college football, but college athletics in general. The Big Ten has reached the richest ever TV agreement for a college athletic league. They sold the rights to their competitions for an average of at least a billion dollars a year over seven years, and that pretty much cements them as one of the preeminent uh, college leagues. Uh, of course, that's going to fuel the uh, current debate about how universities should treat athletes who aren't paid salaries. Of course, they're allowed to capitalize on their likeness, but this is unbelievable. They're kind of a borrowing a strategy from the NFL here. The NFL, I said last segment, clearly king. Look, I'm an NBA guy. NFL's king. There's no denying that. They're kind of uh, borrowing their strategy. They're going to split their football games, which is the big moneymaker, basketball second, among multiple broadcast networks. Fox is the biggie. 
CBS gets in there a little bit. Even NBC on Peacock is getting in. You imagine they're going to shuffle some of those games in with uh, the usual smattering of Notre Dame football. Each of those broadcast companies is armed with pretty heavily sought-after time slots. So the sheer value definitely gives the Big Ten in a pretty turbulent time in college athletics a measure of stability in the years ahead. The expiring agreement's worth $2.6 billion over six years. The new agreement takes effect next July, roughly $7 billion over seven years. So it calls for Fox, which, as I mentioned, is the dominant shareholder in the Big Ten network, to have a bunch of the signature football games from a league that includes, I mean, it's already got 14 universities, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, obviously adding USC and UCLA. Of course, the uh, Board of Governors uh, down in California might have something to say about UCLA. That remains to be seen, but they're going to add them in 2024. Fox will also air games on the Big Ten Network and FS1. And it's interesting that the Big Ten did elect to reach agreements beyond Fox, like the SEC, which signed its rights over to Disney, which includes, obviously, ABC and ESPN. Uh, The Big Ten is sort of branching beyond that. CBS's relationship with the SEC is nearing its end, so it's ultimately going to fill the Saturday afternoon time slot, which is usually known for SEC games. Now it's going to have Big Ten hotspots like Nebraska and Wisconsin. NBC, of course, will choose a Big Ten game to broadcast in prime time. Uh, Of course, it's not going to conflict with Notre Dame home games that it airs under a separate deal. Peacock will also show the Big Ten. And as someone who had Peacock and sort of, I mean, it's cheap, but it was one of those things. It's only five bucks a month, but I really wasn't watching it. They have a premier uh, Saturday or Sunday afternoon MLB game. I know they have uh, some primo soccer, Premier League, and uh, but I wasn't watching a lot of that. I canceled it. Well, now if they're going to have one prime Big Ten game a week, I'm probably going to pick that back up. So it's going to be on network television on Saturdays, basically from noon to 11 o'clock at night. That's unheard of. And that's before. That's before adding UCLA and USC. So the Big Ten did not announce specific financial terms. Multiple people across multiple sources have confirmed this. And the contract also covers men and women's basketball and all the other sports. You have baseball, you have softball, even volleyball gets some run on the Big Ten network. But make no mistake, we all know that football is the thing that actually drove these negotiations And uh, with Fox plainly positioned to remain the central broadcast partner, the jockeying centered around how the other media companies might split the rest of the conference's portfolio. So no absence from the deal is more striking than ESPN, I think. They've been tied to the Big Ten since Reagan was president. And it has an outsized influence on American sports. So Disney, which controls ESPN, they balked at the Big Ten's proposed terms. They're instead going to showcase the SEC and the ACC. Remains to see what's going to happen with the Pac-12. I imagine ESPN is going to end up showing those games. But I've been surprised so many times in the last five months that I don't take what I'm saying as gospel. It just seems obvious to me So the Big Ten entered these negotiations with the explicit goal of striking a record deal. And then, of course, once it poached UCLA and USC effective in 2024, 
the new contracts do include mechanisms to increase their value if the conference's ranks grow. So that's something key. Not only is this value, once the two SoCal teams jump in, not only is it going to grow, there's not only possibly, there is definitely incentive to pot, to look to poach some other teams. So you look at the Pac-12, soon to be the Pac-10, and we know that Klyovkov has his work cut out for him. Man, I'm not saying that any of the corner schools in the Pac-12 are going to go. I know a lot of people are predicting that it might happen, but now there's a very real threat. I mean, UCLA, USC, they're set to make $70 million a year from this TV deal. You can't tell me that a Washington or another school, even in Oregon, I'm not, you know, won't look at that and go, huh, that is a lot of money. Guys, your snap reaction to this deal. No, I mean, we've been talking about contracts lately. You know, the young baseball players taking money right away. I wouldn't blame a school like Oregon or Washington if they went and they took that money. But like you said, it doesn't mean that they're going to do it. I do think this is a good sign for the Pac-12. Right now that ESPN has lost out on the Big Ten, they need some more programming. They need some more conferences to be aligned with. I think the Pac-10, Pac-12 can now, you know, they have a little bargaining chip with ESPN. You know, you need some you need some things to show. We got some things to show. So I think it can work out for everybody. The Big Ten, I mean, just such a smart move to go out and get USC, UCLA. I mean, they're going to just run Saturdays. You know, we talked about the Big Ten, how sometimes their games start at 9 a.m. Like, you can have games from 9 a.m. all the way to 7 p.m. if you throw a UCLA or USC game at the end of the night. So they're going to be on it all day. Uh, it be interesting to see if they still do some Friday games. I know the Big Ten has, uh, you know, experimented with that. So I think it's good for the Big Ten. I mean, just a great deal for them. Um, I think it's good for the Pac-12, though. I I really do think that the Pac-12 has more of a bargaining chip now uh, Now that ESPN is looking for more stuff after they lose out on the Big Ten. Yeah, I think it's there's good news and there's bad news with the Pac-12 here. The bad news is that the last sentence of Brett McMurphy's tweet, contract escalators may increase value to nearly $10 billion, so Big Ten, quote, is not done expanding, source said. So... Basically, it's seven to eight billion right now, and in other words, if they add a couple more schools, it can be increased to ten billion. So this has a chance to be even more of a rich deal, even more of a historic deal if they can go poach Stanford or Oregon or Washington or uh, even like Utah or someone from the Big Twelve. So that's the bad news for the uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Twelve. The good news for both of those conferences is that obviously ESPN not involved in this deal. You guys mentioned it. There's more. Uh, shelf space at ESPN. There's more money uh, to be thrown at the Pac-12 here. So I do think that I'm excited. I think in the next couple of months now, we're going to see the Pac-12's media deal. And I think uh, ESPN, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Let me pose this question to you guys. Like, who's going to get the better media deal? The Big 12? The the Pac-12? Because I think those are obviously the two. We know that ESPN's going to get involved, but you know, like what's how much? What's the proportion going to be there for those two conferences? Yeah, they're, they're, it's such a great question because there's so much up in the air, especially with the Pac-12. We know that UCLA and USC are leaving, losing that footprint. I mean, they could go after a San Diego State and grab a big chunk of SoCal back. Even though, look, respect to San Diego State, that ain't USC. <laughs> That's not know. UCLA. But you can at least have those households. You at least have some people that are interested. I mean, a good amount of people that are interested in that. I mean, I guess I would say the Big 12. I'm worried about the Pac-12. But, I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me either, though, if ESPN wants to grab that West Coast stuff because that's what's left. What do you think, Steven? Yeah, I think it's just 
kind of location, right? I think right. the West Coast, being in the Pac-12, being on the West Coast, I think does have a lot of benefits. The fact that you know you can start games at seven, at seven thirty, when there's really nothing else that you can start. I know the other games are wrapping up at that time, but if you're looking at the Big Twelve teams, you know you can have BYU start that late because they're out in Utah. But anyone else, they it's going to be tough or tough to start that late. So I think the Pac-12 does have a little bit of wiggle room and a little bit of a bargaining chip with that. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So a uh, huge, huge deal for the Big Ten. I'm glad they stay with Fox. I want to add one more thing. Did you guys follow it all yesterday uh, with John Wilner, UCLA's big, big meeting that they had? I, kn- the I know that it's happening. I didn't follow Wilner specifically. Yeah, let me, What's let going me on? Uh, say this tweet. Given uh, John Wilner tweeted this yesterday. Given the developments of the UC Regents meeting and clarity over the board's authority, UCLA's move to the Big Ten cannot be viewed as a certainty. I believe the likelihood of a reversal is very low, probably 10 to 15 percent, but it's not zero percent. So basically a lot of people at UCLA, not USC, USC is a private school, a little bit different with USC. Uh, UCLA, a lot of uh, people have been affected by that move, and a lot of parents and a lot of administrators, even politicians, are upset. And right now they're having meetings. And, I mean, we heard it at Pac-12 Media Day. Like, that thing's not done when it comes to UCLA. So I'm curious if there's a chance of reversal. But, man, if that happens, it, can you imagine, like, the maybe the lawsuits from the Big Ten if uh, UCLA ends up changing its mind? But right. I just think that's something to think about here as it's well. So, it's so hypothetical, but let's just play the hypothetical game. UCLA comes back to the Pac-12. Does the Big Ten go after Oregon? Does the Big, 12 go, Big Ten go after Washington? I, I saw Do they another... try to fill in for UCLA? Like, that's a serious concern that they would want to do that. I think uh, I saw a theory. I forget who from, but, you know, in that case, it would make a lot of sense to go over after Stanford. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think it's not a win for the Pac-12 because, but at the same time, the Pac-12 already has the Bay Area. So if you lose Stanford, then, uh, you know, the Big Ten's grabbing the Bay Area and Los Angeles one and one, and the Pac-12 still has the Bay Area and Los Angeles. So I think in that hypothetical game, I think Stanford is one uh, to watch out for there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think UCLA is going to be held back. I don't think it'll be reversed, but I wouldn't be surprised if they rule due to the impact of the California University system. They have to take some of that $70 million a year, and they have to subsidize Cal with it. And then at that point, is it really worth it to go get your ass kicked in the Big Ten? I mean, no disrespect to UCLA football. That ain't Ohio State. That ain't even Wisconsin. Come on now. No, they struggle in the Pac-12. I think they're going to struggle out in the Big Ten. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I'm definitely going to be watching that closely. Take your thoughts on that, 503-417-7575. We'll come back in just a couple minutes. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the BFT on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. Peter Sampson's The Bald Face Truth. Kanzano will be back next week. He's getting some R&R as we approach college football season. I love that bump. There was a second all three of our heads were just bobbing at the same time. That is Mike's, Mike Patton with the uh, Executioners. It's called General Patton versus the Executioners. Mike Patton, the singer of Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, Tomahawk, Phantom, a million bands. And uh, the Executioners, a uh, famous uh, four-man, maybe five-man DJ group. 
Uh, they were big quite a, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It used to be known as the X-Men before they had to change their name. Go ahead and hunt that record down. Major League Baseball, here on my tablet, I've got the pregame for uh, Braves and Mets on MLB TV. Look, I love the Braves. I got to be honest, I put 25. They're going, it's Max Fried versus Jacob DeGrom. This is a pitcher's duel. Couple aces going at it. I put 25 on a first five innings under one and a half runs for Atlanta. I've seen all of Jake DeGrom's starts this year. He is lights out. If you love watching the best of the best, watch this guy. Try to watch him tonight because you don't know how long he's going to last. It's the smart play, man. I mean, it's got to be, right? The under is the only play. I mean, I can't, I'm a very, uh, I like to go against against the grain, you know, especially betting. You know, if if everyone's saying one thing, I'm going to go the other, but even me. As a guy that does that, I couldn't go the over on anything with Jacob DeGrom. It's, I, it just, it's a bad bet. I would take the under for 0.5. Like, I don't <laughs> think the Braves are going to score until he's out. Yeah, I'm. Uh, where, have you looked at, like, MLB future odds? You know, like, are the Dodgers – let me pull this up here. I, yeah. Who do you – where's your stance? I've asked you this before, but do you think it's the Dodgers right now? I think it's the Dodgers. For a second, I kind of agreed with Steven where I thought maybe the Padres had a real shot until the, the uh, Tatis stuff went down. I mean, look, the Braves, they were out of it, and then they were red hot, won 14 in a row. Then they faded. They looked bad against the Mets. Now they're handling the Mets. They look great again. So either one of those teams could do something. And out east, I mean, I would have said the Yankees, they're really struggling. They're real, the favorites right now. They're the favorites. Yeah, real quick before we get to the end of the break, i got to talk about this. They've won five, or lost five straight series. They're down 7-4 last night in the bottom of the 10th. They give up three runs in the 10th. They're screwed. Bases loaded. Two outs, bottom of the 10th, and Josh Donaldson does this. High fly ball. Deep right. Going back to Rosarena. Josh Donaldson and the Yankees pull victory from the jaws of defeat. What a big win for the New York Yankees. Just an unbelievable, again, down three, walk-off grand slam in extras. Very rare, rarer than you would think. I I looked at the history of how many times that's happened, and it's something like six times going back to 1925, at least that we've recorded, the walk-off Grand Slam down three in extra innings. And, man, that meant something to Donaldson. I mean, there have been calls from the fans to bench him. He's having one of the worst seasons of his career. He's only hitting 223, 12 home runs. And, of course, he's got two years, 50 mil left on that contract. Could be the turnaround they need. Baseball is a game of momentum. It's a game of runs. It's a game of emotion. They've still lost that series to the Rays. They've lost five straight. I have a feeling they're going to pull it together, but I'm not so sure. We're going to talk a little baseball up next, but not on the field. The Dodgers announcer did something ridiculous. Leave it here. B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the Bald Face Truth. Hour number two of the Bald Face Truth as we sail along on your Thursday. Appreciate you listening to the program. JC will be back next week. We're talking baseball on the other side. <laughs> I saw this story today. It's not even really a story, but you know it, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers games at the American Family Ballpark, they have that big slide 
out in center field. Every time a brewer hits a home run, Billy Brewer goes sliding down that thing. I'm sure you've seen it. Well, someone else tried it. Dodgers reporter David Vassy decided to try out Bernie Brewer's slide. So Dodgers taking on the Brewers. He goes out. They're at American Family Ballpark. And he says, hey, I want to do this thing. And so they, hey, that's a great idea. Let's get cameras there. We'll get some footage of you doing that. It'll be fun, lighthearted content. Uh, here they are discussing it. And here's audio of the actual slide. David Vassay has been talking for three days about going down the slide here in Milwaukee. I've never heard somebody so excited about doing anything. And David did do it today. Watch. All right, here we go. Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! Oh. <laughs> Strike on Muncie. Oh no. Okay. First, I want to report that he's okay. So, okay. Dave. Dave. Hi, guys. So, when he says hi, guys, there, his arm's in a cast. So, they say he's okay. He's okay. You, I'm sure that, look, audio paints a very vivid picture of what's going on there. The dude slams into the wall, and he's laying there writhing in pain. Of course, his coworkers, like any good buddy will, they're laughing at him. He fractured his hand and wrist. He fractured six ribs. I've fractured ribs. I've broken ribs before multiple times, and it hurts like hell for a couple reasons. First of all, like coughing or laughing, especially laughing. I remember the first time I did it, I was pitching in high school, and I took a line drive. You know, I throw a fastball. I take a line drive just right into the just right into the ribs, fractures my ribs. Okay, it hurts, right? And then I'm watching something on Comedy Central that night. Every time I laugh, oh, it hurts so bad, and there's nothing they can do about it. They're like, yeah, I mean, we can wrap them. It doesn't really do anything. We don't do that anymore. And, oh, by the way, I know it's miserable, but you have to take really deep breaths every hour so you don't get pneumonia, you know, because you, you're just breathing really shallow because it hurts. You have to stretch them out and keep it working. So he's quote-unquote okay, fractured six ribs, fractured his hand and his wrist. By the way, this part. Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! That is now moving into my collection of audio. That's just part of my local show now. I I, I have a feeling that's going to live on uh, for quite some time on the airwaves. Did either of you guys see this? It was hilarious. <laughs> and I feel bad because he kind of got hurt. But at the same time, like... There's got to be some protocols now to people going down this slide because that was uh, that was gnarly, man. He was flying down there. Ber- Bernie Brewer, I don't know how he doesn't get hurt every single time he goes down the well, slide. Well, he's in a big padded, he's in a mascot outfit. Do I mean, fans wear the, or do fans ride the slide? No, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> that was my that. main question. I was like, why is he getting hurt? If everyone's riding this slide. No, it's just uh, so if the Brewers hit a home run back in the day, you know, Ryan Braun, who's all roided out, allegedly, goes deep. And then Billy Brewer slides down the slide into the giant thing of beer. And uh, everyone cheers and holds their Miller Lite high in the air. But, uh, you know, so this guy, Dave, uh, Dave Vasse, wanted to do it. And he's just he's just dressed like in slacks and a polo. He's sitting on like the soft cloth. So he's just 
bombing down this thing. It's like he's in a roller coaster at Six Flags, except he's just completely vulnerable. Like, it's just him. He might as well have been ejected from a moving car. Just right into it. And then, of course, when he hits the end. Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! Oh, you can hear the collision right there. That's the one that gets me. So how, how many people have written this slide before? Like, if he's allowed to ride it, there has to have been a lot of other riders before, no. right? No. Really? The mascot. They yeah. just let the Dodgers reporter yeah. do it, and no exactly. other human has ridden this thing? For TV, yeah. For TV, yeah. They let him do it, you know, because he's credentialed yeah. and all that. But, yeah, it's just and for the mascot. How is this not organized better? Like, how, how do they have that wall so great. close? I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was – I don't think it's an organization and, and why issue. why was he I working? That's my other question. Why was he working the night after he fractured six ribs? Yeah, you know, you got to get a tough paid. guy. Yeah. yeah it, it was funny. a good bit. It was it's a good, really it's good, a good bit. bit. That's why. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, hey, guys. That that bit alone was a night's worth of pay for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it went viral. The but noise and then the hey, guys, afterwards. I mean, those are the two that get classic. me. Because it's just like, hey, yeah, he's fine. Oh, hey, guys, I can't even bend my arm, but I'm cool. I'm good, man. <laughs> well, it's because he was all doped up on Vicodin. Hey, guys. Hey. He had the cheesy smile and everything, man. The Dodgers gave him the good stuff because they don't want to get sued by him. So, like, hey, here, here's the good drugs to make you feel good. <laughs> they gave him that stuff they gave Kershaw, yeah, you know. There you yeah, go. there you go. I'm not sure any team. Any sports team is a better broadcast than uh, the Dodgers. I mean, they go from they had Vince Scully for all those years, rest in peace. Now they have Joe Davis, who is He's great. Really, He's really so good young, at his job. too, man. He is good. And just like you, just get moments like that from the Dodgers broadcast, you know. So uh, I like I've seen tributes to Vince Scully lately. Like I just get a lot of Dodgers broadcast uh, bits on my feed. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you you mentioned Joe Davis. I'm not really a broadcasting nerd, and which is kind of rare in this business uh most people that you know that i work with are but like joe davis for his age that that guy is a phenom the way he's just rocketed up you think like you know like it makes joe buck makes sense it's jack buck's kid chip carey makes sense it's it's skip carey's son and harry carey's grandson but i mean he's just had it from the beginning it's only picked it out yeah, and he didn't have to toil in the minors, you know, like a lot of people do. I have a friend that broadcast, you know, minor and independent league baseball, and it was just it was just toiling for years. And uh, yeah, Davis is he's a pro, man. He's really good. He's got a long career ahead of him. That's right. And Joe Buck obviously just left Fox Sports. Right. Joe Buck called all those NFL games. I wonder if there's opportunity for Joe Davis. Like I have a feeling that he he's obviously the Dodgers broadcaster right now, so that's obviously a huge and uh, very uh, committed gig. But I do wonder if we, we're going to be hearing him in Super Bowls. I know Kevin Burkhardt's got that gig right now. But I, I have a feeling since Joe Buck left that we're going to be hearing a lot more uh, Joe Davis in uh, the NFL. Yeah, it's it's very possible. So, uh, yeah, Dave uh, Dave Vasse, David Vasse, not feeling so. Have you, ever guys, have you guys ever hurt yourself doing something ridiculous? Oh, yeah. Well, all the time. Now, you were talking about what he was sliding on, like that little potato bag or whatever it is. Yeah. Those things do make you go really fast. I've been on those before at the carnival at Oaks Park. It removes Park. all the friction. It does. At Oaks Park, you know, my kids want to go down the big giant pink slide, the big pink, I believe they call it. And uh, I go down there, man, and I'm flying. And I'm a big guy. And it's a little scary. Now, I try to keep my language good, just like he did on TV. Now, I would love to hear him, the language he would use if he wasn't on TV. Holy crap! Holy crap! <laughs> That's the best part. It reminds me of the time I was at the top of a rock w- once. I was at a, I won't name the business, but I was at a like a bowling alley, like kind of a fun center. And I was at the top of a rock wall, 
And I guess the person that was doing the harness for me, kind of like holding me, didn't do a great job because when I let go to go down, I went flying down. Yeah. And when I landed, I landed right on my tailbone. And my oh. tailbone, I, nothing happened to it, but it was it was bugging me for weeks. It reminds me of that situation. That stuff can linger. I saw someone, I was camping down in southern Oregon, and we were, like, there's this nice little slow part of the river, and you can cross the rocks if you're careful. And I watched someone that I was with, I was like, I just have a feeling she's going to slip on one of these rocks. And she did and landed just right on her tailbone. And, like, she got it checked, you know. She didn't break it or anything. But it lingered for, I swear, like a year wow. that thing was sore. The tailbone injury is bad. The first time I went over to uh, my wife when I was dating her, we went to her uncle's house. Who, you know, he has this really nice pool. And it was kind of intimidated to go there. I went and I sit down. And I fell through his chair, like it's a really old chair, and I broke it. I landed right on my tailbone, but I got right back up because I'm like, well, I can't show weakness. Right. I got to be tough in front of the family. Yeah. And it was bad. Like, my tailbone hurt four days, but, you know, me being a tough guy that I am, I had to get up and act like it's nothing. My yeah. sister, five years older than me, and she was, I grew up rural, you know, and she was generic horse girl. You know horse girl. Don't ever date horse girl, by the way. The only <laughs> thing that she loves more than her horses is her dad's money. But, um... That being said, I remember she she got tossed by her her horse, or I guess she had a Shetland pony at the time, but she got tossed and she landed right on her butt. And uh, ow, it hurts! It hurt for a long time. Whatever. Fast forward years, years, and she's married and giving birth to my nephew. Mm. And it turns out that she had broken it and it healed wrong and basically made made it a very very, very difficult birth. So if you ever land, you should always get it checked, even if you don't think it's broken. It's easy to do, man. Now, random question to you guys. Uh, have you guys ever, like, have you hopped a fence lately? Uh, yeah. Mean, not for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, just, just random thing. I did it because my son had soccer practice, and my little guy, they had a uh, playground, but it was locked off, so there was a little opening that he could fit in. He sneaks through there. I couldn't fit through it, so I had to hop the fence. I thought I was all cool. You know, I was like, yeah. hey, wife, check this out, but hop over. I go and I jump off. I pulled my growing so bad on oh, the landing. Oh no! And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was lately. So yes, I've definitely hurt myself uh, doing stupid things like that. How, Sean, what was the last? Kind of old. That's why I was wanted to know with you, Peter. Like, <sighs> I dare you to go hop a fence. See what? Yeah, happens. I'm not going to do that, man. HC, Sean's the young one here. Yeah. You're hopping fences all the time. Yeah, no, it, it catches up. Like the stuff you can get away with. I mean, obviously, as a, as a kid, kids are just made of foam, man. They even if they break something, you know, and it hurts, they they heal up. And now. If I just turn wrong, like, it's not going to incapacitate me, but it's just like, oh, yeah, my knee. My knee's hurt for, wow, I guess, like, three and a half weeks. What did I do? Nothing. It just hurts, man. I'm the same way, honestly. I feel like I'm I got aged. bad news for you, then. Yeah, no, I'm I'm throbbing everywhere. I've had a bad knee for months, and, uh, just, yeah, you just get random aches and pains. Yeah, no. and I'm only 23, so, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, uh, coming, I feel man. like yeah. I, got a, I got a rough awakening coming. It's bad. I mean... My brother got married on Saturday. Congratulations again! And I, you know, I'm I'm actually a pretty good dancer for my size. I know it's surprising to people, but I am. You know, I'm six two, six three. You know, on the bigger side now. You know, I used to be skinnier when I played basketball, but I'm a little bigger now. But I can actually move and dance. So my wife loves when I dance. I finally feel like I'm a hundred percent recovered from Saturday from dancing with my body. Like my legs <laughs> were Thursday. shot. Yeah, it's Thursday. <laughs> exactly, Sean. That's that's good math there. Yeah. But I, yeah, I finally feel recovered. I think today is the first day I feel somewhat normal. Yeah, getting old, it's the worst. I mean, they say it's better than the alternative, but every time I my lower back hurts, I go, is it really? Are we sure that it's better than the alternative? Because there are some times, man, I get just get off the couch to go to the kitchen and Holy crap! Holy crap! <laughs> Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! 
the last little scream. Ah! I know, man, that poor guy. I, I, but, but like I said, right now he knows he's viral. He's got millions of views. He's all doped up on Vicodin. He's doing just fine today. All right, well, go away. Come back. More sports talk on the other side. Peter Sampson in for Gonzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. I am Peter Sampson. In for JC, it's the Bald Face Truth. Appreciate you rolling with me on this Thursday. I haven't caught it yet. This is on my uh, watch list, my to-do list this weekend. The Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. Now, fellas, you both have seen this. I haven't caught it yet. I know we talked a little bit about it. Have you? Is are both parts out yet? Yes, both parts are out. So you've seen the whole thing now. No, let me let me say I started it last night. I fell asleep on my couch, not because it was boring, right? But because I was tired. That's fair. Uh, I have seen both parts. Uh, so I watched it with my wife. Uh, you know, because when that story was happening back in 2012, 2013, you know, that's right when we got done with college. So I was still right at that age, you know, really getting into you know sports and sports betting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it was huge news, and I remember it being just one of the most crazy things ever. So we watched the first part. Um, and it was going to be her first day of work the next day. She was, she was going to go to bed a little early, but it was very intriguing. She goes, I have to watch the second part. And so we had to watch the second part right after that. Just how you do, you know, with Netflix and you'll be know, binged it. We watched it and, uh, it was fascinating. And I came away from it with a new respect for Manti Teo, which I didn't know that I was going to have going into it. That was but, probably the goal. And that was the goal. Exactly. <laughs> it, it put out his part and, you know, you feel bad for the guy. Like I understand like where he was coming from and he comes off as just like a very naive, uh, caring person, which is, which is very rare to see, I think in just in the world today, but that's why he came across it. It was good uh, to see that. And you know, the person who did catfish him, uh, Renaya Tuyasasopo, she's now uh, transitioning to a woman. And so she was on there and she was giving her side as well. What was happening? And she admitted to all of it. So it was, it was very fascinating and very informative uh, just of what was happening during that time for Manti. I'm really curious. Aside from transitioning, what is that person like? What are they doing now? Where do they live? What, where do they work? Does it get into that at all? Yeah, just what are does. you doing with your life? It does. Yeah, I mean, it gets into it. Like, uh, you know, she said that like, she just never felt comfortable with herself, and now that she is, she's living like in a, um, I can't think of like a Samoa type of oh, okay. uh, place where they're very accepting of you know trans people, and so that's where she is right now, and uh, she seems like she's very. Uh, doing very well with her life now. Like she finally is kind of getting to the point in her life where she accepts herself, basically. Sure. But she also admits like what a bad thing she did. But it also proves like how crazy people can be and how psychotic people she like she really was and she really is. Like she yeah. has some mental problems and mental issues, definitely. And I think that's the part that you don't really look at from that side. But I definitely didn't feel sorry for her. Like she tried to play the victim a little bit. And right. she is, she's not a victim at all in this. Tao was a definite victim. And the stuff that she did to convince him of all this is just, well, it blows your mind. Well, yeah. I mean, from the first, I, again, I watched 10 to 15 minutes and then I crashed on my couch uh, when I was watching this. Um, what I gauged was that she created this character and the photos that she used were this girl that was in her high school class that she was kind of envious of. That kind of, she, 
it was back when you know before the transition for for this person and uh if, this character that she created on Facebook was kind of what she hoped that she would be like kind of what she imagined like she wants to be. Um, so she creates that character and then gosh, I'm just curious how, it, how it all unfolds. The part I'm going to be really curious about when I watch it is just like, where does the death part of this coming out? Like I understand catfishing, but like how did this, this fake person die? Like what, you know, so that's just like, it I know, goes into it. I, <laughs> I know like you're not going to, you're not going to spoil it right now, but that's yeah. just kind of, I'm, all I'm saying is that I, that's the part I'm looking forward to watching. And that's the messed up part too, is, you know, not to give away too much, but it was a death and then it was a comeback from the death mm. as well. So like, wow. yeah. So like this, Renaya, uh, when it was Renaya, you know, Tuyasa Sopo, you know, Marcus Tuyasa Sopo, right. the great University of Washington quarterback. Uh, it was his cousin who is Renaya and like his dad played football and his uncle and you know, grandpa, like it's a football family and she just never felt comfortable playing football. Right. But she Not was really part. good at right. And so she was really good at it, but she didn't like it. And so I think she wanted to get away from it. But it is a fascinating story and you know, you you do end up feeling really bad for Manti Teo because not only did it hurt him, it cost him millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Like it actually affected him on the field. And he was so good too. Like that was supposed to be like his big like him leading Notre Dame from what I remember, he carried that Notre Dame team to a national title, yep. and they lost the title uh, to Bama by a thousand points. From yep. what I remember, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, that's supposed to be the best moment of his life. You know, like it, obviously the NFL career didn't pan out, but when you're a stud in college, that you know you're the you nearly win the Heisman, the whole university's behind you. Like that is supposed to be something that you look back on, and it's something that is just like the glory days of your of your entire life. And for him, it's a bad memory now because yeah. of how it ended. So it's just, uh, that's really sad for him considering he didn't do anything wrong. It's the power of love and like just wanting something so bad. Uh, but you know, also I don't want to say that he isn't, you know, it's not his fault as all. Well. Like he made some mistakes as well. Right. And he was gullible and he fell into this trap as well. He went on national TV and talked about her after he knew all this stuff was happening yep. in the Heisman trophy presentation. He mentions his girlfriend. Wasn't that on the Today Show or something yeah, like that? At the Heisman Trophy presentation, oh, they that. interviewed him on the stage. And That's he, right. And they talked about what was the most you know crazy part of this year, and he talked about his dead girlfriend when he had just talked to her because she came back from the dead. Yeah, so, so like he So he let it keep going because he didn't know what to do, and as a kid in that situation, I would have no idea what to do either. Right. He really hit it very well from everybody to try to even play at that level. That's that's I can't wait. I'm gonna watch it this weekend. Uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna share what I think. Uh, maybe uh, less interesting than this. Carmelo Anthony is releasing a documentary on his life. It's called Seven, of course, after his jersey number. It's going to start with his childhood, go through his life and career, getting the good and bad of his life that shaped him into the man and athlete he is today. How about the athlete he was six years ago? Uh, the docu documentary is actually being produced by Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's Westbrook Studio. Do we have any interest in this? Carmelo Anthony's doc it seems like everybody's everybody looked at the last dance, and now everybody that's great or thinks they're great has to get their doc. We had the Brady series. We have Jeter, which I did not watch a second of. No, uh, Are we going to watch the Carmelo Anthony documentary? Uh, that's a hard no for me, Bob. Uh, I will not be doing that. I, I I don't need to know how he lost in the Western Conference Finals to the Lakers and then never really got back there. Like, I hey, but he won some Olympics. He did. He was awesome. He's a great player. <laughs> That's what he um, prides himself on. Yeah, no, he's a great player. He went through a lot of trials and tribulations, you know, growing up, uh, coming from where he came from. So it is cool, but uh, I just have no interest uh, in that story. I think he he's almost like too 
good of a legacy player for me to care about, but he's not good enough for me to want to watch the documentary. Yeah. Right? Like I've watched documentaries on guys like Stefan Marbury who were really good, but never lived up to the hype like Carmelo Anthony did. There's an angle. It seems yeah, like with Mello, there's not really an angle there. It's just, you know, okay, a lot of players have had rough beginnings and yeah. stuff, and just, you're a great player, never a champion, you know, but, okay, you're a great player. You know, with Jordan, there's just the yeah, mystique the of goat. Jordan. Yeah, so I just, okay, it's a documentary about a great basketball player, all right, but there's it's not someone from a long time ago before there was footage, and yeah. we have this found footage, or there's not some crazy angle with Mantateo. It just seems like a typical anything else you think the documentary is going to hit on his defensive efforts in portland <laughs> how abysmal of a defender he was this is he just was a, a he black was a fun screen player. i have the mellow jersey that's uh, a portland jersey he, he hit some big shots but yeah, mellow was fun in portland he <laughs> was fourth, fourth quarter mellow fourth quarter mellow was a thing man he yeah. would get going but he was a tra- fourth quarter. He, all due all due respect to mellow he was a traffic cone uh defensively but uh you know it's still a fun story you know uh oak hill Stack team, obviously. He was kind of like a five-star. He was like a, the favorite kind of his right. entire career, similar to LeBron. Oak Hill, Syracuse. Did he win a national yes. title? Yes. He won yes. a national title, so he did win something. And then, obviously, those Nuggets teams early on were fun, you know, with Allen Iverson, Chauncey Billups, J.R. Smith. Kenny Martin. Uh, yeah, Birdman. Kenyon Martin. Yeah, Birdman. Looks they, like he fell asleep on a park bench and someone just tagged him. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen him in college when he played Juco? He had no tattoos. Yeah. He just looked like a... Just a dude. normal person. Yeah. yeah. Here, here are the basketball documentaries I can't wait to watch uh, in the future. Uh, the Golden State legacy, you know, the dynasty. Uh, I'm looking forward to a LeBron documentary, similar to how uh, how Michael Jordan got one. I'm looking forward to a Kobe documentary. I think that's going to make one heck of a documentary. If it's it, honest and expansive, I want, right, I want that's the, the whole thing. thing. Though, like some documentaries are produced by a Netflix or an ESPN. Some documentaries are produced by the actual person, and right. you know it's not going to cover any. It's going to be that person's narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not going to be. It's not going to be the, the real honest truth. It feels. I like. guess uh, I don't. The Ringer, ESPN, someone's working on a, a Walton with the Blazers, yeah. and that year when he broke the foot. Uh, I've heard for a while that uh, 30, for, 30 for 30 Jailblazers, Jailblazers doc, which yeah. I think everyone has been waiting for that one. Fascinating. That would be unbelievably the fascinating. Best. Yeah. And the thing with Carmelo is, uh, you know, Carmelo played in the Les Schwab here in Portland mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. And then, uh, you know, obviously won at Syracuse. He can't coin the, the phrase Carmeloize. A school, Malik Harrison went to Oregon, said he was going to Carmeloize Oregon. <laughs> Didn't necessarily work out, but. I mean, he, he was fascinating when he was so good, won a championship in college, but then it never really turned out in the NBA. But, again, like you said, that angle like isn't going to get me to watch a four-part documentary about that. Right. Did you did you guys see the Malice in the Palace one yes. that Jermaine O'Neal was heavily involved in? I really enjoyed that one because, again, when you look at, you know, especially Jermaine being involved and you go, maybe this is going to be sort of fluffed up a little bit. It was pretty unflinchingly honest. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and that's the thing. I remember watching um, – the movie about NWA, the biopic. And oh, yeah. It's, and it's like that was totally turned to make them look like they weren't bad people. Yep. And like, then it's like you said, Sean, it depends on who's making it, right? So I, I want to know the truth. I want to know what, I want to know some bad details about it. And that's the thing with the Kobe one. Like, is it going to speak the truth of what actually that's happened? That's the thing. I don't think so because he's deceased, you know, right. so he can't, he can't sign off on it. So I'm not sure they're ever going to produce something without his approval. 
Yeah, it would it would have to be uh, you know, his estate. It would be Vanessa yeah, right. Bryant, and I I doubt she would want to do that no. <laughs> at this point. I certainly don't blame Only her. Only happy memories with Kobe. Yeah, I mean, maybe you know. maybe someday down the line. But uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna pass on the uh, Carmelo Anthony. I liked your. What else do we need? In, yeah, I was in gonna sports? ask what what other documentaries can we not wait? Like for modern day sports. Like I just think. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned the Steph one, you know, like well, more so the Warriors. Just what, would, a, would a Tom Brady, Bill Belichick angle, yes. would that get you? That one if it's honest. If because, it's yeah. honest, again, because yeah. like, like TB12 or whatever that show is, it's not honest. That's that's no. the definition of controlling your own narrative. I've never been interested in the Tom That's Brady why I don't show. think we'll really get a, a good LeBron one. Yeah, because he controls it's, his it's, and, and he, 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 LeBron and Brady, they're just playing a character. Like, yeah. they're just acting all I, the time. I would love to see a real honest Brady-Belichick argument fight yeah. that they would have had. I think that would be uh, pretty fascinating. What else could we do? I mean, there's so many. I, I'm sure we'll get a Deshaun Watson one down right. the line about this whole mess here. Eventually, some reporter, someone's going to get the scoop on the details that we don't have, and they're going to put something together. Yeah, I would, I would love to see one about like the University of Oregon and Phil Knight when he decided, you know what, we're going to go mm. all in. We're going to go all in with the uniforms of the money. We're going all. In. I think that would be a fascinating be cool. documentary. Uh, obviously, you know, true serum. We need true serum for all these types of things. <laughs> right. But uh, I think that would be very fascinating because. Like we've talked about, Oregon's become a national brand because of it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. What what sports doc do you want? 503-417-7575 on Twitter at Peter Sampson. Sean, you got one more? The NBA bubble. Just getting, mm. like, behind-the-scenes clips and, like, just Jimmy Butler. kind of, yeah, you know, you get some <laughs> stories. What happened in the bubble? Like, obviously, they're not going to, maybe not the Jimmy Butler thing. They might not go into that. But just, like, that was just such a fascinating time. COVID happened. The NBA bubble felt like the premiere of sports after yeah. like five months with nothing. And that was just a, uh, I think, a really interesting time in sports history. Yeah. Basketball history. Yeah. Um, if you haven't read uh, uh, Ben Golliver, if you haven't read Ben Golliver's book, Bubble Ball, it's excellent. If you guys haven't read that, I'll bring it in. Golliver, one of just a handful of sports reporters that was actually embedded in the bubble. And he talks about... The whole process of just getting in, getting screened, having to be isolated in his room for a week, just and he's documenting it. He's just like pacing in his hotel to get some uh, semblance of exercise, and he's there at the practice. He's one of just a few people at the games. It's a great read. It's a quick read. And uh, fellas, if you want me to bring that in, if you haven't read it, I'll bring it in for you. Yeah, I mean, what a weird time that was because there was still so much unknown about what was going on. And and we forget, like, at that point, like Sean said, sports were gone for so long. Ugh. Like, I remember thinking when the bubble comes back, I'm going to be so excited and there's going to be games all the time. And it was awesome. But, like, to go back and watch highlights of that is just insane. And the shooting performances the guys had there, it really shows how skilled those players are when right. there's no crowd because – they did not get distracted by anything, and they were on fire. Yeah, yeah, it was great. We wondered about, man, is this going to be good basketball? Is there going to be quality? Is it going to be fun to watch with no crowd? And there were some epic performances. I mean, remember Damian Lillard's run in the yeah. bubble? Yeah, I know he missed that free throw against the Clippers. Worst thing they ever could have done was clown him on their way back to the hotel. That was the best I've ever seen him play. Yeah, he, he went nuclear. Jamal Murray was crazy. Remember Nurk? In the, I mean, Nurk was awesome in the mm-hmm. bubble, too. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, I thought, played his best basketball in the bubble. Yeah, it was it was a really fun time. So what sports doc do we need? 503-417-7575. Let's go to Lake Oswego. Daniel, what sports doc do you want? I would like to see Tiger Woods. Um, mm. With his life, it's been a roller coaster. I think there's a lot of great content with Tiger. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great suggestion. Appreciate the phone call. Tiger Woods, again, if you're getting an honest one, that'd be great. There is one, I think. Is there? I, I think it's it. on HBO. You should check that out, Daniel. I believe that I've watched a Tiger Woods documentary on HBO. I know that for a fact. But does it have the security footage of uh, his wife attacking him with the golf club and crashing into things? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what, what I want. Yeah, what I same do. here, man. I would love to see that. All right, we'll go away, come back. If you've got a sports doc suggestion or one you'd like to see, go ahead and let me know. 503-417-7575. More bald face of truth ahead on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. I'm Peter Sampson. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Rolling with you on a Thursday afternoon. Boston Red Sox broadcaster Dennis Eckersley is retiring. He's calling it quits at the end of the year. Uh, obviously, he was a great reliever for a long time. Everyone remembers Zach. He was even a starter for a long time, converted to uh, basically being a Hall of Fame closer, uh, mostly with the A's. I think Eckersley is done uh, caring <laughs> because he did not hold back at last night's Red Sox-Pirates game. Now, the Pirates, not a good team. What else is new? They, once again, have a low payroll. The Red Sox, not doing so hot themselves. But uh, they're visiting uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Eckersley just started uh, going in on them a little bit. You talk about a no-name lineup. There's no team like this. Love to see some of the service time you add it all up. It's not much. You know, just came from Kansas City seeing all those young kids. That's... This is different, though. Doesn't it seem different? Did they have a lot of prospects that are playing over there? And, this... and serious prospects. Yes. The guys who are going to be in the big leagues. This is a hodgepodge of nothingness. They have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Last year, they were actually 30th. It's ridiculous. It really is. Pathetic. Former Sox GM Ben Charrington is the Pirates general manager. And... He has gone about rebuilding their farm system. Yeah, tell me they have a great farm system. Tell me they do. That's what they're doing, I assume. Trying. So that's Dennis Eckersley saying the Pirates are pathetic. No names. Now, is he wrong? The Pirates are 45-71. and 71. They do have three top 50 prospects in the minors. But look, this is a team that's been over 500 four times in 30 years. Seven times in 38 years. He's not wrong. You just don't ever see an announcer basically be honest like that. I mean, should he have done that? Should broadcasters have more respect and present a a quote-unquote professional broadcast that's respectful of both teams? Or should they be free to fire away in this regard? No, I think what he he did was wrong. I think... You know, any team, any coach uh, will tell you you always want to have respect for the other team, you know, no matter what their background is, no matter how good or bad that team is, even in professional sports. I think that's super important. And when you're the team broadcaster, like for the Red Sox, like Eckersley is, you want to be kind of the uh, the spokesperson for the team. So him saying that is basically that's kind of the Red Sox perspective of the Pirates. Like that's he's the spokesperson for the Red Sox. So 
No, I, I think even if that's just his own opinion, that's not the way broadcasting works. He is the spokesperson for the Red Sox, and I think that's a really bad look for the entire team when he goes off like that. Yeah, the difference to me is that the Pirates aren't trying to win. They're cheap, and they're screwing their fans over, and they should have sold the team 25 years ago. I think it it is pathetic. I mean, really, that's where you no know fans are showing up. They're not trying. They're not actually rebuilding. I get that he is a representative, and I think if he weren't retiring at the end of the year, he wouldn't have said it. But, I mean, the Pirates are just screwing their fan base every year. I like the honesty. I mean, he's being honest, right? Like, he's not – there's no lies in what he was saying. The Pirates, they are not trying. It's a team that if you are an average baseball fan, you probably haven't heard of a lot of these guys that are playing. And so I I don't necessarily have a problem because he's not the voice of the Pirates. He's the voice of the other team. And so he is still representing the Red Sox in a fine way because the Red Sox are not doing that. The Red Sox are putting out a good lineup. So I don't necessarily well, have a problem with that. I mean, they suck too. But, <laughs> but at least they paid, some, they paid some guys. They went for it. How would we feel if the manager of the Red Sox at a press conference, a reporter asked them, how do you feel about the Pirates? What do you got tonight? And he says, they're pathetic. They've been tanking for years. How would we feel in that case? But that's different, though. That's the manager. No, because he, he's trying to, like, when you're the team broadcaster, you are res- representing the team. Like, you are, like, But you're not part of the team. But you're not the team. But you're not the team. He's paid by the Red Sox. But you're not, but you're he's not, not on, on the team. team. I just think that his, his words are, that is, you know, what the entire, like, that stands for the Red Sox. No, like, his words stand for what he thinks. His words are his own. The team, the team has nothing to do with what. If he, he has said to say. something really bad on air that got him in trouble, that's a bad look for the Red Sox. Yeah, like, and then they the Red Sox him. hired this person, right? And so that would be a bad look. Just like I think this is a bad look because again, no player would say this, no broadcaster would say, or excuse me, no a broadcaster did say it, no coach or manager would say this. So I feel like the broadcaster wouldn't. It's one thing if you broadcast for a network, if you're an ESPN broadcaster and you sound off, but like this is the team broadcaster. This is. The, the Red Sox pay these bills, uh, you know, pay his bills. And I think, uh, yeah, I just think for that reason, it's, it's a little bit off. But what, but what are we, what is he supposed to say when the Pirates are 45 and 72 and they haven't been competitive for years? Oh, they're a really good young team because they're not. And so I like that he's being honest and he's telling him what he really thinks. I'm, I don't like the people that fluff everything, especially now, you know, I always talk about Draymond Green. Like he talks about the new media and you don't want to trash people. Well, he doesn't trash people because he's friends with all these guys. At least Dennis actually had the balls to say, you know what? This team isn't very good, and they're doing bad to their fans. Is he out of line? 503-417-7575. I certainly agree. If he was coming back next year, I don't think he would have said it. And uh, the Pirates, again, I'm old enough to remember when the Pirates were awesome. If you're older than me, you remember the Pirates of the 70s. That was a proud franchise. And uh, one of the oldest franchises in the National League. Haven't been trying in a long time. Again, I remember those early 90s teams with uh, Bonds, Bonilla, Andy Van Slyke, Doug Drabeck on the mound. It was a great squad. Turning over, payroll. Every time they get a good young player like McCutcheon, yeah, they re-signed him once. Didn't want to pay him big bucks. He moves on. It's really interesting. 503-417-7575. We were talking sports documentaries as well. Uh, Give me your recommendation. Let's go to Andrew in Portland. Andrew, what do you got for me? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I think it would be really interesting in the vein of, like, Deshaun Watson to look at specifically the NFL and how they've handled kind of disciplines for, you know, a broad spectrum of people from owners like Robert Kraft to people like Ray Rice or uh, Adrian Peterson or Kareem Hunt or Ben Roethlisberger, right, where things just kind of, like, went away. Um, Ray Lewis maybe. So, you know, there's a lot out there and how they've handled these things and and how much money – you know, if you're worth something to a team or to a franchise, 
how much is enough to get these things kind of pushed pushed aside versus people that get, maybe got pushed out of the league. Um, and I think that'd be really interesting to talk to maybe some of the private investigators, some of the victims, um, look at the cases. I think that'd be very intriguing. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. That would be interesting. And uh, I mean. It would be tough to get a lot of that info. I think uh, you'd have to have some investigative journalism, but maybe some people would spill the beans a little bit on some of that. What do you guys think? I think good luck like getting the NFL to approve. Them. Right. You know, they're such a conglomerate that I can't imagine that Roger Goodell uh, would allow that to happen. I don't know, though. Like, does he, does he always have say in, uh, you know, when it comes to someone producing a, a very negative PR documentary? Um, about the NFL. I, I don't know if he has the power to stop that, but I do think that there's a lot of power um, in the NFL, and they would not want that out there. Yeah, I mean, remember the concussion movie with Will Smith? Like, that was yeah. supposed to rock the NFL, and it did nothing. <laughs> I forgot it even existed, exactly. honestly, until like, you just NFL, said it. Yeah. yeah, the NFL is such a machine. Like, I think they would have, I think Sean's right, like, I think they would have some type of control over what is said in all these type of things. Like, even if it was you know, an outside organization trying to bring down the NFL, like they're going to have a say in it and it's probably not going to affect the shield. Yeah, I agree with that. But Andrew in Portland, I definitely agree. That would be fascinating if we could get something like that. All right, we'll go away. Come back on the other side, by the way, speaking of uh, movies anyway, uh, interesting. There's a website that ranked their best film of the nineties. I disagree majorly. I'll tell you what they named and why they're wrong next. Back to the bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. This is the bald Face Truth. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. He'll be back next week. Good to be with you. Been talking sports docs. That reminded me. I was uh, browsing the web, and uh, IndieWire, if you're familiar with it, pretty big, uh, uh, you know, entertainment film site there. They uh, they ran a poll. They had their own experts, and they kicked around the idea of what's the best film of the 90s. 90s, a great, great decade for movies as well. And I go, man, what are they going to choose? Is it going to be Goodfellas? Is it going to be Silence of the Lambs? Is it going to be Schindler's List? Is it going to be Shawshank Redemption? IndieWire has named Eyes Wide Shut as the best film of the 90s. That's a Stanley Kubrick film. He basically died. It was essentially done. He died after it was uh, filmed, but it hadn't been edited yet. I've seen it several times. Honestly, it's not even remotely his best work. It's you know it's that like erotic thriller with uh, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Eyes Wide Shut as the best film of the 90s is absurd. And I guess, you know, it did have some themes that I missed the first time around when I watched it again. It's not one of those ones that grows on you. And again, we're talking a decade. Goodfellas, Silence of the Land, Hoop Dreams, Schindler's List, Fargo, Forrest Gump, Fight Club, Goodwill Hunting, The Lion King, Pulp Fiction, The Big Lebowski, Boogie Nights, my personal fave, Shawshank Redemption, Clerks even, Best in Show, Heat and Casino. There were so many great films in the 90s. Guys, not even close. I wouldn't even put it top 10. Yeah, I don't know that I have a necessary favorite, but yeah, you just named off about 10 movies that are uh, clearly better, and I don't know how they could come up with that decision. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, obviously, movies are so subjective to what you like, but like 
I think everyone, mostly everyone can confirm, like, that, that, that's a wrong decision there. Yeah, because, I mean, even if you say, like, oh, I don't like violence in movies or something like that, you can't argue the technical, you know, masterpiece that is Goodfellas with the famous, the long extended one shot that as they enter in the, uh, the, the Copacabana or, you know, Schindler's List. I mean, there are certain elements that are subjective. In fact, I would agree that most are. But even if you're just talking the truly objective ones, there are better films than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a movie expert uh, or that I've seen a lot of these movies, but uh, one that you didn't even mention is Titanic. I mean, what's the one that we're talking about the most? Like, from the 90s, what what movie aged the best? I think Titanic's certainly one of them. Uh, I think Forrest Gump is is another Mm. one of them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for it to be a, a movie that I've never even heard of being number one, obviously. Um, but at the same time, like, this is just some an outlet I've never heard of. So I'm not going to. Oh, you never heard of IndieWire? Oh. I, yeah. Oh. I, I'm not a big movie guy. So yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Can you explain to me what IndieWire is? Yeah, it, entertainment site. Okay. Yeah. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I, Titanic, definitely not technically great but the effects iconic, at the like, time iconic movie iconic i wouldn't even say that i love it iconic is about it all the I mean, time it made a billion dollars yeah and then i mean 30 years or 25 years ago it made a billion dollars i can't even imagine what that with inflation what that translates to i mean again pulp fiction to me is the one that really aged the best it's not my favorite out of the list i love it but that again such an iconic movie i mean how many films sort of cribbed that that style, the glamorized, you, you know, glamorized being bad and then narratively like chopping up the story. We've seen it multiple times. You know, I, I know like like Boondock Saints basically cribbed that style note for note just with a different story. Uh, Hoop Dreams. I mean, the, the iconic sports doc from back in the day. Have you, have you seen Hoop Dreams? I have. Yes. Yeah. So. So have you ever seen Hoop Dreams? I, Sean? Know, I don't think so. Oh, man. You should watch Hoop Dreams. It's good. Who's a feature? It's it's long and it's uh, starts with how old are the kids when they start, Steven? Seventh grade, eighth grade, something yeah, like that. Something like that. And it follows two like basketball prodigies for years as they're trying as they you know, through high school, uh, through college, up to the, I don't want to really ruin what happens, but so it's a doc and it follows them for years as they're trying to make the NBA and they it starts when they're young. It's very, very good. Yeah, I'm looking at this now. Uh the players that they what ended up happening. I don't want to ruin it. You should watch I, it. Okay, I should watch it. Yeah, yeah, I mean they're not players that were starred in the NBA or anything, right? No, you got to watch it. Gotta you got to watch, watch it. it. I very, won't very you good. anymore. Have you seen more than a game? I have not. It's LeBron. It's uh, LeBron in high school, and it's all about his high school team, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Okay. Obviously, we're not talking '90s here. We're talking early 2000s, sure. mid 2000s that, that this came out. But uh, that's another really iconic, I think, you know, underrated basketball movie. I'll have to check that out. I, I'm, honestly, I wasn't even aware of that one. I imagine there's a lot of great footage in that one, just yeah. dominating a bunch of six foot two scrubs. I oh, love yeah. that. But yeah, man. By the way, if you're into comedy, have either of you seen Best in Show? I judge people if if they've seen. It. I don't judge them if they've never seen it. But if I, they've seen, seen it, it, if they okay, that's fine. Have you ever seen, seen Best in Show? I haven't seen it. Watch Best in Show. Hands down, my favorite comedy. It's amazing. Everyone says it's really good that it. That I've talked to that has seen it. Yeah. My yeah. favorite comedy movie is Super Bad. 
Super solid choice. Maybe my favorite movie. It was just the uh, twenty year anniversary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think just I saw that today. Is that why yesterday. I always catch you drawing dongs on the pieces of paper around here? <laughs> <laughs> that is. Uh, let's not spread a false narrative. I do That's not. That's true. Do. He does not do that. That's it an iconic true. scene, though. Definitely, definitely recommend Best in Show. It's a Christopher Guest movie, so it's that mockumentary, just like uh, this is Spinal Tap or Waiting for Guffman. It's so funny. They're at the the Westminster Dog Show. It's incredible. Came out in '96. If you have HBO Max, it's on there. Uh, you will not regret gr- regret spending 90 minutes with it. Yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about it. And just like it's a, the dog show. It's like so how good. how good can it be? But yeah, I mean those mockumentaries are just really good. Like that. I mean, there's a lot of funny comedies that don't necessarily stand up the test of time from the 90s yeah uh, but it's like but since you know i grew up with it it's like yeah i still love it because of the nostalgia like of it. like billy madison and happy gilmore i love those movies yeah. so much but i'll be honest i'd gone you know like 15 years without watching them i watched i think it was billy madison as as a 40 year old man and i still loved it but i was like this is terrible. Like, yeah. this is bad. It's also funny with comedies that, like, the humor obviously evolves, mm-hmm. and there's some things that aren't okay anymore. Uh, yeah. So I watch a movie like Anchorman, or even, you know, there's elements of this in Superbad, and it's like, yeah. that is not okay anymore. Yeah. 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 The original, the one that the comes to me was uh, Basketball. I watched Basketball maybe like a month <laughs> I love ago. Basketball. <laughs> like, that came out in the 90s. That was a, it was a good movie, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily hold up the test of time. Uh, as well. The best part of that is I need to get an audio cut of Bob Costas's line in that, and you know which one I'm talking about. Yes. I don't know how much they had to pay him to uh, reference his own nips, but, but they did, yeah. and he did. That's the thing. They had Al Michaels. They had Bob Costas. Like, they had big announcer names in that movie saying some uh, funny things. Yeah, it's and, and that I love that movie as well. It's objectively terrible, but if you're into uh, just completely mind blank zany stuff baseball's up there all right let's talk some actual sports the blazers are in hot water they've made an announcing decision we'll talk about that next b f f t from the pack west center in downtown portland presented by high caliber millwrights in for john canzano here's peter sampson with the bald-faced truth Final hour of the Bald Face Truth. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. He'll be back next week. We've had a ton to talk about today. Deshaun Watson in the news, of course. Suspended 11 games. Magically returns in week 13 to face his old team. I'm sure that'll be on national television. Imagine that. The Big Ten has signed a deal worth more than a billion dollars a year. Multi-broadcast deal, mostly with Fox. A little bit of uh, NBC in there. A little bit of CBS in there. Kind of following the NFL's lead in that regard. That's interesting. Portland Trailblazers. This is just sort of coming out. They have not made an announcement, but uh, reports have the Blazers have made the decision to not send their broadcasting crews on the road with the team. They are also, if this is true, the only team in the NBA to not do this. Now, everyone did this during the bubble. It was truly locked down. You had to call the game off a monitor. Now, this is supposedly being done as a cost-cutting move. TV talent, broadcasting talent, they fly on the team plane. So this is just to save hotel costs 
and I guess a per diem. I'm guessing, you know, you get 50 bucks a day, 30 bucks a day, whatever it is to eat while you're on the road. This is penny pinching on a completely new level. And if you remember during the bubble when they were having to call games off the monitor, it absolutely impacts the product. It's hard to do. You're not seeing everything, let alone you're only seeing what's shown on the monitors. You're not seeing anything in the stadium. You're not actually feeling the moment there. You can fake it if you're a pro. Calabro's a pro. And my first thought was, this is stupid penny pinch and BS. And I go, well, did Calabro request this? Because I know, you know, he voluntarily left because, you know, when COVID was a thing, he had the the open door to return. It was kind of an open secret while Jordan Kent was the uh, broadcaster. Calabro walked through that open door. But then you wonder, hey, man, do I want to do this? That's apparently not the case. This was not the broadcaster's decision. And, you know, reportedly, I mean, I guess they're happy to spend more time with their family, but this was not their call. This is minor league, Bush league stuff, fellas. No, totally, it is. And, uh, you know, I am lucky enough to be able to call the radio voice, Travis DeRiz, my friend. So I've talked to him about this, what he thinks between the difference between being in the being in the arena and not being in the arena, the difference like in the bubble. And it is a big deal as yeah. an announcer, but it's also a big deal as a listener. Like, you're right, Peter. You can totally tell because there's things you miss and there's things you don't see when you're there live at a sporting event. We all see it, right? Like, we've all been to a game where you can get the sense of the crowd. You can get the vibes of the players. You can see maybe the players are arguing with each other on the bench or arguing with their own coaches. Those type of the things you're going to miss when you just watch on TV. And it is embarrassing. Like, I would say it's embarrassing that the Blazers are doing this just as a cost-cutting move because how much are they really saving, right? Like, this team is worth billions of dollars, and they're maybe saving, what, maybe a million dollars? Not just, even, not even. I'm just rounding up. Let's just round up to a million. They are. That's about what they paid the players last year uh, to lose every game was a million dollars. Like, yeah. this is, it's, it's insane and embarrassing that the Blazers are doing this, and if it is just for the cost-cutting, it's not because the announcers want to, which I don't know. I don't know if the if the Reportedly not. Probably, probably not. I, don't, I, mean, I can't imagine. If this is just a Jody Allen, Burt Cold move, like, it's embarrassing that they're doing this to the fans because – as you said, it affects not only the it just affects the fans in a terrible way to make the product worse. Yeah, it, I mean, I've talked about this so many times. Broadcasters are the connection to fans the vast majority of time. You know, I'm always talking. Yeah, tweet at me, blah blah blah. Most people aren't on Twitter. Most people aren't doing social media. They're not consuming that way. You know, you have the fan accounts that are you know tweeting every 30 minutes and do what they do. Most people don't really give a damn about that. They just want to watch the games and they want a quality broadcast. And it's it's mind numbing the small amount of relative savings they're going to get and they're going to hurt their product. And so many people are already still ticked off about the move to root sports. You know, that happened. A lot of people lost the broadcast. A decent amount said, okay, I'm going to move to this service that I don't even really want in Fubo so that I can get these games. Yeah, I'll pay, you know, 80 bucks a month or whatever it is just to get Blazer games. The And the Blazers broadcasters, they're pros. They're good. Really good. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're going to lose something when you're not in the arena. We saw it in the bubble all year, well, not all year, but for the entire time that they were playing in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, no matter what you think of Calabria, like, he's a Hall of Fame announcer. Like, he is... He's a pro. He is a pro. He is that good. Lamar Hurd is a future riser. Like, if he's not a national guy at some point, I would be surprised. Like, that's how good Lamar Hurd is. And him and Calabria together are great. 
Now, are they still going to be great when they're not in the arena? Of course they are because they're really good, but it's not going to be as good, right? It's just going to have that little bit where you're like, all right, well, I just don't feel the connection to the arena, yeah. the to the players on the court. Like it's, it's just a weird move, and the fact that they're going to be the only franchise to do this. Mm-hmm. They're one of the, the one only, of thirty, one of thirty franchises to decide. No, we're not going to have our guys travel. That means you're in the wrong on that one. Yeah, joke. That's a bad. That's a that's that's a bad move on the Blazers' part. That's a Blazer problem, not a league problem. Yeah, it's a poverty franchise, man. It's just such a joke. But it's just classic Blazers. Like anytime you want to build momentum and you want to get fans on your side, Jody Allen and Burt Cole do something like this, and then they expect why do why do they want us to sell the team? Well, this is another reason why everybody wants you to sell the team to Phil Knight. That's exactly it. It's exactly it. And man, I'm telling you. If they continue this, maybe not this year, maybe not next year. At some point, that truck is going to go out, and those screens are going to be blank, and they're going to be standing on the tightrope with no net below them, and it's going to be a disaster. I, I just cannot wait till the day that someone else is the owner of the Blazers. Yeah, and hopefully it's Phil Knight. Like I've said this before, that's the one move, the one guy, the one person that if he was the owner of the team. A hundred percent, basically, of Blazer fans would be on board and on the same page. And that's the first time that would ever happen in any sports, I feel like, in history. But it's so bad right now. They just need to change real quick. And this is another example of why it's been so bad. Yeah. Did you see that report? I think it was last week about uh, Jody Allen's high uh, unwillingness to sell to Phil Knight uh, regarding essentially that hit piece in the, the New York Post, which is it's clear what it was. Do you think that's... And again, you know, we don't really know Jody. I mean, do we buy that or is she still just negotiating tr- through the media trying to get that price up? No, I don't want to sell to you and you're going to have to really make it worth my while. I think that it's I w- I want to think that she's not just putting hit pieces out there like she wants it and she's just doing it for the money. Like I I would understand if she's doing it for the money trying to get top dollar for the franchise by doing it this way. Yeah. Like, I kind of would understand. Like, it's a business move. They're business people. You know, the collective bargaining agreement's coming up. Like, they're going to make as much money as they can. But if you're just, you know, trying to make people look bad, that's 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 not cool. Like, I don't like that. So I think, I, I want to think that it's just for the money. Yeah. It, yeah, just but for the knows? money. Yeah, just for the money. I mean, and not like that's a good thing. Right. But at least I understand where she's right. from. Right. I mean, you know, but here they are getting panned, I'm sure, citywide statewide right now to save what on 1200 bucks a night on hotels 1500 bucks i mean realistically like how many people do is it going to be right like it's not it's not a lot it's not a lot it's not a lot and yet here we are they're the only franchises doing this it's like you're looking at all these other franchises why are the blazers doing this it doesn't make sense it doesn't and i know you know the angels have had uh matt vaskersian who's a good broad he was the voice of mlb the show for a long time good broadcaster he'd been doing home games remotely because of his mlb network uh job and that's just been getting ripped as well like this doesn't work out fans notice this stuff well and they do it in college football i know with espn's been doing it for some of the games mhm I think because of COVID, they started doing it, but now they've realized you know they can save a little bit of money here and there. Companies do try to nickel and dime everywhere to all these you know to rip off these people. Do you think this is a trend going forward to even like a big company like ESPN or TNT when they start broadcasting basketball games, they're going to do it from the studio? 
I, I think it's possible unless there's some serious pushback. But, you know, we saw if you watched the Olympics uh, in Tokyo, that not very many people went over there. And NBC's coverage, it was not good. I watched a lot of Olympics. You didn't have that connection. You didn't have as many, you know, deep stories. And they can find them. There's enough athletes you can mine. It's not for a lack of content. It was for a lack of staff on site. It matters. And if, you, if you've ever seen the announcers at the actual stadiums when they're doing their job. You can tell that they're getting into it and they get the sense and they get the right. vibes from the fans. You know, they're standing up, they're yelling and they're screaming because they're feeling the momentum, they're feeling the electricity in the air. When you're in a studio in a different area, a different state, you're not gonna feel that same way. And so it does come across on the broadcast just that little bit. And I think, you know, as people in radio like us, like we notice it a little more than like a normal regular fan that'd be right. listening to. But every even everyone notices because it's just the sense of the electricity. It's not there. Yeah, not to mention the oh, and look at the bench reaction as they're celebrating yeah. that one. Let's put it's you lose that connection. You know, fans that are watching on TV, it's what you want that experience to be. It's as close to being in the arena as possible without being there. That's what teams and broadcasts are aiming for. We want to put you in the arena from the comfort of your living room, and they can't do it. The one that I hate is when they do that, and then they're waiting for a replay. And they say, oh, we need to see a replay. Like, I'm I'm waiting for them to show me a replay. Well, you know what? If you're in the arena, you probably can look up at the board and see the replay. Exactly. And that bothers me because they have to make, you know, they have to call the game right on the spot. But sometimes you don't know exactly what happened on that play. So either you're going to guess and be wrong and people call you out for being wrong. Or you're just going to say, well, i got to wait to see the replay to see exactly what happened. Yeah, it's a disaster. The Trailblazers... I don't know how many times in the last year and a half I've had to call this a poverty franchise. It's very, very disappointing. Am I, does this matter to you? 503-417-7575. Tweet at me, at Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. Just looking around on socials, it's not a good reaction. To be fair, everyone's complaining about everything always on social media, so take that with a grain of salt. But this is already getting panned. They haven't even made this announcement. It's just gotten out there. And again, my first thought was Calabro doesn't want to travel. That's fine. I would understand that. This was not the broadcaster's choice. This was not a move that they asked for. It's such a joke. If you, especially if you're already going to cut off such a huge percentage of your fan base by moving to Root Sports, at least give them the broadcast quality that they want. And you can't even do that. So it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be tough for them. I hope they don't miss calls watching it on 720p. Maybe they'll actually get it in true HD. I know I sure as hell don't. Yeah, and that, that's the problem is that they have such good announcers and the broadcast team is so good, you're hurting the broadcast team. Like you could have yeah. one of the best in the NBA. By just because of the people that you have there and all the work that they do, but you're making it harder on them, which doesn't make it again. It's just it's a, it's a shame to the fans that want to listen to your to your announcers. Yeah, yeah. So I have a feeling this is not going to go very well this year. Certainly, something's going to happen. It's going to be a lesser quality, and I guarantee it. It might take three years. I guarantee there's going to be a technical issue. I promise those things happen. They're unavoidable. Now there's no safety net. They're not going to be on site. 503-417-7575 on Twitter, at Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. We'll be back. I'm in for Kanzano. This is the Bald Face Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game.
Welcome back in. Peter Samson in for Kanzano. It's the BFT rolling with you till 6 o'clock. If you're in the Portland area, keep it tuned here. I will be on after this program hosting my show, The Pulse, from 6 to 7, giving you four hours today. And, oh, look at that. I'll be doing the same thing again tomorrow. We're talking uh, NBA, the Trailblazers, the only team in the NBA, reportedly, to not send their broadcasting team on the road with the team. It's going to impact the product. It's going to be bad. There is some other uh, news out of the association, a report, I should say. So we know LeBron James, he uh, decided to re-sign with the Lakers uh, was that yesterday or was that the day before? I think that was yesterday. That two-year $97 million contract extension. Uh, reportedly, that did not come without complications. So he's agreed to the extension, but reportedly has been privately adamant that the Lakers still need to improve their current roster. Okay, no shock there. And trade for Kyrie Irving. That's according to The Athletic. Obviously, James and Irving, teammates for four years in Cleveland. They won a championship together in 2016. I got bad news for LeBron. Kyrie is not the answer. (laughs) Not to mention, I don't know what you would even give up to get Kyrie Irving. He still has value. I mean, he has value in the league, assuming he's actually going to play, which, to be fair, is a question when you're talking about Kyrie Irving I don't think there's a way they can get him. And even if they do, I don't know that he's the answer in L.A. Yeah, I don't know if that he's the answer either. Uh, I, I certainly don't think that they I, – I think your first point of how do they get him, it's impossible. Basically, it's impossible to get Kyrie Irving. Uh, the, the, can we offer you one Russell Westbrook? Yeah, I mean, is <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker, does he uh, fancy you for anything? No? Okay, well, that's about what we got to give you. I mean, it's Russell Westbrook, and that's it. But if you're Brooklyn, you don't want to team up Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant again. Kevin Durant doesn't want that. So, yeah, I think it's impossible, basically, for the Lakers to get Kyrie Irving. I think if they're the Lakers and you can somehow, and the Nets are willing to get rid of Kyrie Irving and you're allowed to get him, of course you bring him in, right? Him and LeBron are comfortable together. They've won the NBA championship together in Cleveland. Uh, and it's obviously what LeBron wants. And so you're kind of in the spot right now where – you are going to do whatever LeBron wants for your organization. That's the way it is. And LeBron signing that uh, that extension. I don't know if you know this. Now he will probably he's unable to be traded this season. Right. So now even if the Lakers do suck again, he cannot be traded to some team that he doesn't want to be traded to. So that's the reason why he signed it so late uh, in the offseason. Let's not pretend like Kyrie Irving is some asset that the Nets are you know, latching on to that is intouchable. Like he, he's got his own problems. He, you know, barely plays basketball. He's a locker room issue. He's not as disgruntled as Russell Westbrook. He's not as sour as Russell Westbrook, but he's, he's not a great asset right now. Um, and I do think that the Lakers, they, you're right. They don't have a lot of players on their team. They're not going to move Anthony Davis for him. They're not going to move LeBron James. They can't move LeBron James for him. They wouldn't. And then some of their young guys, I mean, they've kind of, you know, Tatelyn Horton Tucker, whatever. I do think that they have some future first-round picks. I mentioned this yesterday on the show um, when we were talking about potential Pacers trades for the Lakers. They do have some first-round picks, um, you know, some later on in this decade that I think are pretty valuable. And they're first-round picks that you hear about all the time because I do think that they are the Lakers' best assets right now, uh, again, besides LeBron and AD, that you can move because, like, you know, the Lakers are probably going to be pretty bad this decade. They're all in right now. Like, they have LeBron and AD, two older players. 
Um, we're not sure how much longer. I think both of them are kind of on the same time frame, and that's probably, I don't want to say how many more years LeBron has. I don't want to put a limit on him, but probably no more than five years. You got those first round picks you can move. So I, I think it's more possible maybe than you guys do. Yeah, haven't haven't set they have seven of their next eight picks, and a couple of those can be pick swapped with the Pelicans. Man, it, your only real asset, so you can go THT, take Russ's contract, and we have to give you a billion picks to take that contract, man. Your mortgage in the future again and hoping it works out. Well, it's like Sean said, who would you rather have on your team if you could choose one? Forget the contracts. Would you rather have a Kyrie Irving who isn't always available to play or a Russell Westbrook who plays hard every single night but doesn't give you the production? For me, I would rather have the talent in Kyrie Irving right. and but run the risk and hope that he can it's play. Not, it's not a huge gap. Kyrie, I mean, like I they're both—they're both pretty bad assets that no one else wants. I think it is. I think when Kyrie plays and he's healthy, man, he can be a really good player and a really uh, guy that can help you win a championship. I don't think Russ is on that level. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm doing everything I can to bring him into with play with LeBron because that's what LeBron wants. And if they get LeBron, KD, or I mean, not KD, AD, and uh, Kyrie Irving, I think that. If they're all playing, they're all healthy. That is a formidable team, formidable team in the tough Western Conference. Man, that's a big ask to say if Kyrie's playing and if Anthony Davis is playing. It is, that, it is, that's a parlay I'm not taking. But, but, but what is the alternative? Is to run with Russell Westbrook and know that you're just not going to be good enough? Like I want, I if I'm a team, I'm swinging for the fences. Especially as Sean said, they're all in. You guys said they're all in to go to the finals. Let's do that. Let's bring in another guy who was a very top 15 talent in the NBA when he plays. Why not go with those three rather than have a Russell Westbrook that we know we can't even play at the end of the game? Yeah, I, I, I guess I'd be looking somewhere else. I mean, I, I certainly agree, and and I, I get Sean's point that, like, Kyrie is a mess. He is, man. Can't you look somewhere else and offer those picks, THT and that expiring, and maybe get someone who's not as talented as Kyrie but is still an all-star level guy at a position in need and is actually going to play, you know, 79 games instead of just whenever he wants? Yeah, I mean, I think in a perfect world, yeah, but I— Who's that player? Yeah. And those guys don't become available. I think the Blazers were in that spot, too. They were looking for guys in the same situation, and it was the same names. It was John Collins, OG, and Anobi. But you know what? Neither of those guys got moved. And that's the reason why I think like you have to take a risk and you have to go after a disgruntled guy like Kyrie Irving. It's a good point because what was the Lakers' downfall the past couple of years? It was that one offseason where they had Caruso, they had KCP, they had Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzman, all these valuable Lonzo role guys. Ball. Yeah, and, well, I'm not even talking. Lonzo was gone before the group that I just named. They moved pretty much all of those guys to make room for Russell Westbrook. So they chose the superstar. Um, Little did they know it was going to be as much of a mess. And they chose that over the role guys that were helped them win a title uh, back in the bubble. So I think that was the big mistake the Lakers made. So you're right, Peter. You make a great point. Would you rather have Kyrie Irving or would you rather have, you know, maybe a Pacers package like Buddy Heald and, uh, you know, Miles Turner? Like you bring in a couple of role guys instead. I think that might be how did they win a title? It was LeBron AD and a bunch of role guys. It wasn't LeBron AD and a third superstar. Uh, we've seen how that's worked out. Right. Superstar in quotes because Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving both have a lot of baggage. And do we feel like we're moving away, sort of related to that, that we're moving away from the three superstar team that we've seen for the last, that might even be 20, 15 years. We're sort of moving back into duos. Doesn't it seem that way? Yeah, I mean, and then look at the Celtics. I mean, they had numerous guys that played right. well, right? And so I, I agree with both you guys. My thing is I just think Russell Westbrook's value on the open market is shot. Is negative. It's shot. It's negative. And so that the problem is to get a buddy healed to Miles Turner. Yeah, I would do that. But why would the Pacers ever want to do that move? They, they wouldn't. And so I do think 
if you're trying to get the best talent for a guy like Russell Westbrook, because it's pretty clear they don't want him in L.A. LeBron doesn't want to play with him. I think Kyrie is probably your best chance to stay at that level of being a contender in the Western Conference if you can move Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I oh go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say here's the reason why West, Russell Westbrook can be moved, and it's possible he's an expiring contract, so you have to have to deal with him for one year. He's got one more year left on his contract, so if you couple Russell Westbrook with future picks that are going to be valuable, Taylor Horton Tucker, who I don't think any of us like, but a team like the Pacers, he's worth stashing, right? That's that's why Russell Westbrook is able to be moved because it's just you just have to deal with him for one year, and you get these other assets just for taking him on. Yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure that Buddy Heald, Miles Turner thing, I think that's just Laker fan being Laker fan on the internet. I haven't heard any actual smoke about that. No, I mean, they've been rumored. I mean, Miles Turner was a big Blazer guy. Rumored. He's like Schrodinger's trade target. Like, he, he's he been on the CJ trade block, but, like, since he was in college, they've been saying <laughs> he was going to get traded from the Pacers. Well, that's the rumor. The rumor was that the Lakers wanted Buddy Heald, but LeBron said no. Could have had him, yeah. Don't want it, right? So I think that's where the Buddy Heald thing comes back, just because they actually wanted it. Yeah, remember when that deal, it was Such when the Buddy Heald, it was, it was like done. It was yeah. reported. Buddy Heald headed to L.A., and I'm like, that is so perfect. And then, like, an hour, I was on the air when that happened, hosting this show. And then, like, an hour and a half later, all of a sudden, you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, it's Westbrook, and we all sat around and said, I don't think that's going to work, man. I mean, I get if you're, whoa, look at us adding a triple-double to the league, but that's not going to work. Where Buddy Heald, he's happy to just kind of play some defense and shoot 43% from the corner and 39% up top and do his thing. They really screwed the pooch on that one. That might be a move that we, uh, that that's the the downfall of the LeBron Lakers era. You know, they they had things rolling. Like they were coming off a title in the bubble and they had all of these guys and they were the favorites to win the title the next year. They had all these it wasn't sexy at all. They had Caruso and KCP and Kuzma and again Harrell, but it was a good squad. And yeah. they they chose to trade all of it for Russell Westbrook, the guy who just made no sense the guy who was kind of uh, empty calories, you know, just a lot of stats, not any substance, not going to help you win a title. And now uh, I'll be fascinated to see it. It's going to be another wasted year if they have Russell Westbrook on their roster. Again, because he is really bad with LeBron and AD. He's overconfident and he swallows $47 million in your cap space so you, that you could use on other players. So they are not doing anything with Westbrook on the roster. I'm sure they're working really hard to try to get rid of him. <laughs> I love how you call him empty calories. If Russell Westbrook was a food. What would he be? I think he's the blooming onion he's and outback. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's you know he's white bread. You don't you don't get anything of substance. Like it tastes good, but like at the same time, you, like white bread isn't doing anything for you. It's carbs that are that are quick carbs. <laughs> I'm uh, depending on a nutrition tangent. This is yeah. good. I like this. Sean's very passionate about he, his he's sugar. You know, it's like it's exciting at first, yeah. but then it, I it, thought of you this morning. By the way, I put a scoop of peanut butter in my oatmeal, and I said Adams too, and I said these are two of Sean McPherson's favorites yeah. right here, and I just chowed down, Classic. man. Classic. I did. Yeah, but Russell Westbrook's basically like a candy. Like it tastes great for a second. It's you know, it's fun. It's sexy, and then. You know, like later you feel like then it loses its athleticism. Yeah, yeah, just like Sour Patch Kids. But you're right, man. I think that you can pinpoint that moment. And it's one of those things that's obvious, but we, I've never really thought about it that way because that deal was so close to completion. The reputable blue check marks were out there saying this is done. And then just an hour, 90 minutes later, instead, they get rid of those roles. And not that KCP's a stud. Harold doesn't really play defense. 
But you're t- you need those guys that can play 25 minutes, give you 9, 10, 11, 12 points a game. I mean, Alex Caruso, I know he dealt with the injury from that cheap shot against Milwaukee. He had a great year for Chicago. He's he awesome. averaged like two steals a game. Yeah, he's one of the best perimeter defenders of the NBA. Yeah. Any team would want him. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like the Lakers have the roster they're going to have going into the season. They're not going to be able to move Westbrook before the year. Right now, they are the fourth best odds in the Western Conference. I think that's a little high, and I know that's a lot of have to do with Laker fans. fans in Vegas. But let's just say they run with this roster. Are the Lakers a play-in team? Are they out of the playoffs? Are they a top six? Like I think they're a top six team. I think they're probably around six. I think they're better than the play-in with LeBron coming back. I think AD is going to be uh, healthy-ish enough. I think LeBron with the contract extension is going to average another 30 and be pretty good. So like I like the Lakers this season a little bit. I mean, what are you guys thinking with the Lakers' just futures? Yeah, I, they're not going to win a title. But, yeah, I could see them six, seven, eight, maybe even play in. It, it, to me, it's it's Do you not think LeBron. better than the Blazers? Yes, but that all depends. Because if AD goes down for a significant stretch of time, that's one question. The other question is, okay, so they had the geriatric squad last year. They replaced a bunch of those guys with, frankly, not really anything special. It's possible one or two two of those guys can pop. Of course, we know Laker fan is Sean Hike in front of the show terms it the prestige zone. Once you put on the purple and gold nationally, everyone thinks you're better than you actually are. That's going to happen to some of these guys. I don't know if any of them are going to pop. They're going to need someone to actually show up. And I'm not saying, you know, average 15, 18 points a game, but they, they need those guys that can just give you quality 18 to 20 minute bursts. I don't know if they have that. If they do, they're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple X factors actors on this team, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, and then uh, Kendrick Nunn, you know, who missed all of last year. Yeah. We liked, I, I liked Kendrick Nunn yeah. when he was on the Heat, but he, for whatever reason, I don't think any Laker fan understands why he missed all of last year. He's just been hurt forever. Hasn't played, uh, he was on the Lakers last year, didn't play all year. I think Russell Westbrook's obviously an X factor with them. Is they going to be able to move him? If, like, Russell Westbrook, I think, could be a decent player. We were talking about this yesterday. Like, if, if he just swallows his pride and you know, maybe he goes off ball a little bit, and maybe he just forgets shooting. Like, he's Ben Simmons all of a sudden, and he's explosive, and he distributes, and he uh, plays hard on defense, but I, I just don't think he's going to be able to do that. I think he's it's just going to be the same guy. Yeah, that's the real question, is can he change his style? And he'll never be able to fully do it. He's not going to do, like, late career Jason Kidd and all of a sudden become a 40% shooter while distributing and playing, you know, a little bit of D, but... Th- They've got to get him away from at least shooting the three-point shot. Like, he's not nearly as explosive as he was. He can still get to the rack. He's not going to give you, you know, a, a top-two play on Sports Center twice a week like he used to. He can still get to the rim. He can collapse some defenses, and he can facilitate. they got to get him away from the jumper. they got to get him pulling the defense in. they got to hope that Nunn and Horton Tucker can knock down threes. He can dish out to them. I don't see him doing it. If all of a sudden we're a few weeks in and he's just not completely flipped and played like a different player, but just tweaked his play style a little bit, that'll go a long way for me to con- you know to, to convince me that well maybe they do have something here. Yeah, I mean they brought in some big guys, Troy Brown Jr., former Duck, Watiscano yeah. uh, Anderson, solid role player, Lottie Walker, uh, the fourth, another good score. Like they brought in a couple good pieces. If one, like no. you said, if one of those guys pops and comes off the bench and become you know a sixth, seventh, eighth man. Uh, you know the Lakers. I think they're in a lot better situation. So I do think someone's going to pop out of those team, out of those guys, and they're going to be a solid team. Yeah. The real challenge is, it's hard to play with LeBron, especially if you're not a star, and with the constant sort of revolving door on the uh, you know fourth through tenth spots on this roster, fifth through tenth. They, 
I don't think they realized how good they had it with those players that you mentioned that that uh, went out in that deal. They they really had some guys that could actually play with that duo, do all right, and instead, no. Sean's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, you, what you mentioned, Troy Brown, and who is it, Lonnie Walker? Lonnie Walker, Juan Scano Anderson. I think they're, so, they're solid players. I think no, you look at me like I'm crazy. Like, I, do you think the Lakers Juan are Toscano top? Juan Anderson was the 11th man on the Warriors this past year. Are the Lakers Troy Brown be a top? has never been anything. He are they going to be a top six team? Are they going to be a top six team? Let's go through it. The Warriors are better than them. The Grizzlies are better than them. The Clippers are better than them. Uh, help me out here. The Suns. The Suns are probably. I, I think the Suns are better than that. The Nuggets. The Nuggets are better than Mavericks. them. Th- that one's shaky. Grizzlies. Grizzlies are better than them. I, I yeah. I think I think they're a seven or eight. See, I think there's. I think there's a six team in the Western Conference. Six. Who do you you like them better than who? It's gonna be. I don't I know. Think the Timberwolves I, are better than them. I don't know the exact order, but. I just think that they're going to be the sixth seed in the T-Wolves, West. I think the Pelicans could surprise. They've the West got... is so good. I just, I, I, I have a lot of faith in LeBron to come back this year. I really do. See, and and that's really what it comes down to me is ultimately LeBron's LeBron. I, I don't, I, I'm, I don't love LeBron. I respect his greatness even at age 38. I mean, it's a big test for him though. It's a big test. He's had two bad seasons in a row. They were in the play-in two years ago. Last year, didn't even make the play-in. I think LeBron's going to come back very hungry, very healthy. It's going to have a really it, big year. It's a marathon, though. It's 82 games. And you think about 82 games. Is that favor Anthony Davis? No. Does See, that and that's LeBron James? Yeah, I don't no. question LeBron. You know, in LeBron, there will probably He's be some load management there. But I don't trust Anthony Davis to stay healthy. I just don't. He is going to miss time this year, and it's going to kill him. And, of course, Darvin Ham coming in as a new coach. Can he actually coach? We don't know. Yeah. Uh, is he going to, you know, uh, load manage some of these guys and let them take some nights off? It'll be interesting to see. But I think. Again, I just I have faith in LeBron. Like I'm not going to bet against him, but for three years in a row, like I didn't, That's I fair. knew I didn't like the idea of Westbrook and LeBron, but I think they're hopefully figure something out enough uh, to make them relevant again this year. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five. We'll go away on the other side. Let's talk a little football, little NFL football. Peter Sampson in for Gonzano. It's the BFT. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on seven fifty. The game. Welcome back. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the bald faced truth. Kenny Pickett is going to see some quote unquote varsity action in the Steelers' next preseason game. That's against the Jaguars this Saturday. Mike Tomlin says he wants to get a better look at him. He'll probably play in the first half after Mitch Trubisky, possibly against the Jaguars' starting defense. He said, we just want to see him in some more varsity action. Obviously, they picked uh, Pickett 24th overall in the NFL draft. In the first preseason game, he looked good. He went 13-15, 95 yards, a couple touchdowns. To be fair, it wasn't varsity action. I look at Pittsburgh. I mean... I don't love the roster. Again, we've talked about it a couple times. Tomlin never finished below 500 with that team. What are you? What are the chances the Pickett starting by the end of the year? I think it's, I think it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good chance. Like, I, I if you're going to draft a guy uh, that early in the draft, I think you're going to start him at some point, especially when your quarterback is Mitch Trubisky. And we've seen what Mitch Trubisky can do. I actually think he's an okay quarterback. He got a little I tough. Too. He got a tough ride in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, Chicago is a, one of those franchises. Just like the Browns are talking about, that just never had good quarterbacks, never had good offense, and he led them to the playoffs a few years. So I do think Trubisky gets a tough rap, but you know Kenny Pickett's already 24 years old. Like you got to get him on the field to see 
uh, what he could do when you spend a first-round pick like that. So I do think that he's going to be a uh, starting quarterback at some point this season. And that division, now with Deshaun Watson out for 11 games, I right. think if you're the Steelers, you got to really figure out who the best quarterback is quick because you want to get that lead uh, in the division over the Browns before Deshaun Watson comes back to fill up for Jacoby Brissett. I like the Steelers this year. I got to push back a little bit. Uh, you said you don't like the Steelers roster. I, I think other than quarterback, it's it's pretty awesome. Like I, I think it's a great roster. They always have a great defense. Uh, you know, obviously led by superstars T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cameron Hayward. Like they're still going to be really good on defense this year. And then you look at the skill guys and what they've done the past couple of drafts. Najee Harris is a guy that I want on my fantasy team. He's going to be, I think, a, a breakout. He had a good rookie year, but I think he he's going to be a good back for them. And then uh, another sleeper in fantasy. I, and I know we're talking about the actual Steelers here, not the fantasy. We are. But George Pickens, you know, I, I think he's going to have a huge rookie year. Um, and then obviously they still have Claypool, um, Deontay Johnson. So, I, 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 I mean, I think, and let me say one other thing. I think Trubisky, he had Matt Nagy as his coach. So I, I'm right. not sure the I'm not sure the uh, the case is closed on Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, but I, I Nagy didn't have to make those that. throws. Yeah, Mitch had know, to make those throws. I, I know, but when you have a bad coach, and I think look, the Steelers are the Steelers are I think one of the most one of the best ran uh, franchises in oh, all, without a in doubt. all stable, stable Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in all football. So I'm not ruling out Mitch Trubisky like having a decent season, a little bit of a revival season because he was stuck in Chicago in the cold weather with Matt Nagy, who is just a uh, the anti quarterback. Basically, he is uh, he's. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's kind of Mario Cristobal in the NFL. Like, you do not want to play quarterback. I'm just kidding. I'm just giving, him, giving Cristobal a hard time. But uh, you don't want to play quarterback for Matt Nagy. So I, I kind of like, and, and to answer your original question, I think uh, I think Trubisky's going to be solid enough for they're not going to have to roll out picket this year. They, they got great weapons. I mean, you got Fryermuth as well at tight end. Like, they have really good weapons. So if Trubisky does struggle, I think it's a quick pull and it's to picket. Like, Sean's right. I would agree with that. I think Trubisky has the starting job pretty easily right now but as soon as he struggles you got to get him out of there because they do have really good weapons on the offensive side and the defense is really good led by tj watt as well yeah really quickly you know you mentioned Nagy, the uh the bears preseason they're on uh on the tv here right here taking on the seahawks chicago bears what a disaster franchise they're gonna be bad seahawks too what a disaster this is just like yeah this is I was yeah, I was talking Judah Newby, huge oh. Seahawks fan. I was talking to him unexpectedly on the air this morning. Actually, we had some technical issues with the national show. We had to jump on and just uh, start talking for about fifteen minutes. And uh, yeah, he's having a tough time coping with the fact that the Seahawks <laughs> are going to be a disaster this year. Yeah, borderline and, unwatchable. Yeah, and uh, former seven fifty the game employee Adam Sussman. I've been talking to him. Bears about the fan. Bears. Yeah, I think those are two of the uh, the Who, contenders. Who's going to be worse, pick. Seahawks or Bears? Bears, Bears, Bears. Yeah, the Seahawks. Uh, can you? How many players can you name on the Bears? Justin Fields. Their number one receiver is Darnell Mooney. He's solid. And then like uh, Roquan, Roquan Smith. Smith. He wants out. He wants out. And then they've lost obviously Khalil Mack. Like they have. It's very like they do. I I, I, think, I think I think the Bears have a better record because they're going to get the Lions. I think they can get a game right. from them. Uh, you know, we talked about the Packers and the Vikings. I don't know if they're going to beat them one time, but the Seahawks division is just rough, man. That's a tough division where I don't know if they're going to get a win. And, you know, their starting quarterback was Drew Locke. He's got COVID now. Are they really going to roll Geno Smith out there? Like, <laughs> You better believe it, baby. Like, are they really going to roll that and expect to win games? Like, I just don't see the Seahawks winning 
Yeah, at least like they're going to win about two or three. He can throw to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like who? Who's Justin Fields throwing to this year? Cole Komet. Cole Komet. Darnell go. Mooney. And Do we it's... expect Justin Fields to take any kind of step this year? No, and it's unfair to him. Like I'm right. not even the biggest right. Justin Fields fan, yeah. but you're not. You're not giving him a place to succeed. Right. Right. That's all you want to do with these young guys. Give him a chance to succeed. Put him in a good spot. This is a terrible spot. That, that's the, the, my exact answer. Like, no, because of the situation, not because of Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is is a good quarterback. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league, but this is a really bad starting place for him. Yeah, it's it's going to be brutal to watch for fans of both teams. And fortunately, we have both of them on the television yeah, right now. Having said that, I can't wait to bet on every game. <laughs> that's right. Take the under, baby. Take, no matter how low it is, and they're going to be low, take the <laughs> under. All right, we'll go away, come back, and wrap up shop. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Final segment of the program. Appreciate you rolling with me. I'm Peter Sampson. In for John Canzano. This is still the Bald Face Truth. I'll be back tomorrow. JC will be back next week. Little secret just between you and me. I will be in on Monday, though. Just want just want you to keep that between us. Big day in uh, sports, especially for, uh, they call them the dog days of August. You know, they say there's not a lot going on. But, man, some major stories here. You have the Big Ten signing that huge multi-year billion dollar per year deal with uh with fox cbs peacock such massive news for the conference it's going to have a ripple effect on, on the big 12 the the pac 12 obviously uh we have the deshaun watson news where he was suspended for 11 games he magically magically will be reinstated and eligible to play against his old team that'll be the first game where he'll make his return. And, of course, he said this today. I've always uh, stood on my innocence and always said that I've never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone, and I'm continuing to stand on that. But at the same time, I have to continue to push forward with my life and my career. And for us to be able to move forward, you know, I have to be able to take steps and put pride to the side. And uh, I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence and, and, and keep pushing forward. Cool. And then, of course, we have the Trailblazers, the news coming out that they're not going to send their broadcasting team on the road. They're going to be staying locally and calling road games off of monitors. That's going to have a major impact on the quality of the broadcast. These guys are pros. This isn't something they asked for. Reportedly, they're happy they get to spend more time with their families. It's going to affect the product, a product that already so many people are upset that has moved to Root Sports. They aren't able to see it. They don't like Root Sports. It's not even in true HD. It's in 720p as though it's uh, 2003. Out of those three stories, fellas, which one's the biggest news of the day? Uh, I think it's a Sean Watson for me. Just just the arrogance that he has is just sickening to me. And I can tell you this, Peter, I never want to be in a spot where I have to come out and say, you know what? I've never assaulted anybody. Cause that means <laughs> right. I've assaulted somebody. Like it's the exact opposite. That's what it means. So I hope I'm never in that spot because I will never, but I never will be. Cause I'm not going to assault somebody right. like that. Like it's just, it's just sickening to me that he got off on 11 games. I was hoping it for, for a whole season, at least it seemed like it was going to be a season long thing uh, at the minimum. And, for him to come back after 11 games, be eligible for the playoffs, the Browns are getting off the hook, and they made this move, and it's going to be good for them. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
the Watson thing, I think, feels like the biggest story of the day. But it's been the biggest story of the day for this entire offseason. Right. right. I mean, it's uh, it's something that we've been talking about really my entire tenure here at 750 The Game. This thing has been going on for a very long time. And that's why it feels like it's, it's significant that we finally had some kind of – it felt like the end of the story today, which is sad because, you know, eventually we're going to forget about this. And eventually, you know, we didn't really look at Ben Roethlisberger – um, you know, as we kind of saw him as more of a football player, you know, late in his career. I think a lot of people kind of forgot about his earlier actions earlier in his career. That happens with a lot of people. Um, and that might be the case with Deshaun Watson, but it's also a good thing, I think, because it's, uh, it's not, it's not been a lot of fun to talk about every single day, you know, like, and I'm, I'm sure that's how the NFL feels as well. Yeah, for me, I I certainly agree that's the big story nationally. For me, it's this news about the Trailblazers. Locally, that's going to be a big impact, and I think it might slide under the radar a little bit. I don't think there's ever going to be an official announcement on it, but you know, a lot of people are really excited to watch this team, hoping that they're actually worth watching this year after last year. Everyone is fired up. We talked about it earlier in the week. Fans are ready to have something to cheer for. They're ready to get excited. They're ready to go nuts. They want Blazer Mania back. And you know what? If you're not in the arena... And I did mention, look, a key part for the Blazers getting off to a decent start here is how is that energy in the arena going to feel because the team really feeds on that. It certainly wasn't there last year. The Blazers, historically, with a great home court advantage, are they going to be able to maintain that coming off just such a bummer of a season? But now everyone watching at home that still also wants something to cheer for, something to root for, that product is just going to be impacted. So while that's certainly not as big on the overall sports landscape as either of the other two stories, I think for for me and for a big chunk of sports fans locally, that's going to have an impact. It's just going to be sort of under the under the uh, the veneer of everything else, just sort of simmering underneath. And, and we've all been a part of jobs where it's very difficult and people make it more difficult, and that's what this is, oh, yeah. right? Like these guys are still – uh, the guys and girls that are part of the broadcasting, they're going to do a great job still because they're pros and they're really good at what they do. But it's just going to put a lot of pressure on them, a lot of stress on them, and make their job much difficult, much more difficult. And we've all been a part of that in any job that you work. So it's disappointing that it's such a you know a franchise and an organization of this magnitude is doing this to their employees when it's it, it's totally avoidable. They don't have to do this, right. but they're choosing to make it more difficult for their people. It's just disappointing, and like I said earlier, it's an embarrassment to the franchise because they are the only team to do this in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's just so frustrating, especially because it's a choice. The only team choosing to do this, reportedly, out of all 30 NBA teams. Man, come on. Come on. Put your big boy and big girl pants on and just do what every other team does. Send your broadcast team out there. Put them in a position to succeed. They're pros. I know they'll get it done. It's not going to be the same. Help them succeed. If you want your employees to help you and push your product out and make people fall in love with the Trailblazers and recreate Blazer Mania, again, it was a magical time. And I've always said, you know, Blazer Mania, late 80s through the uh, mid-90s, it'll never be recreated. You can't. But decisions like this just cement. It will never happen again, and it's these decisions that contribute to it. Why are you choosing to do this to save what is comparatively peanuts compared to your operating costs? This isn't, oh, well, I don't know if we can pay Damian Lillard you know, $59 million in his two years from now. Okay, I mean, 
I get the argument that maybe you second guess that. This is to save on hotel costs for a handful of people. A handful. You just do it. It's part of business. To make money, you got to spend money. This is a small cost. It's Bush League. It's a joke. Trailblazers, I was ready to be excited. I was ready to love you again. Stop putting a bad taste in my mouth. It's always something. And you know what? It's not the broadcasters. They're pros. They're awesome. I know a lot of them personally. They're great. It's not the players. It's not even really the people in the front office. It's ownership. It's Jody Allen and it's Burt Cold. Sell the team. Maybe we won't call for that constantly if you start making decent decisions. All right, we'll go away. We're back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.